Again, Tom, take your uh, your time machine and go back to 1993, Poplar Creek, where 15,000 men just wept. We all just cried because Walter Becker and Donald Fagan were on stage together and they played Deacon Blues. We all just hugged each other and cried. Not kidding. One of the greatest moments I've ever seen in a live show, ever. Oh, I love the Dan. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. How you doing? We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4. It will be Friday uh, in about 50 minutes. And so that means uh, the Friday features will be coming up at 3, straight out of contest. Nick D Show, Spies, You Big Dummy, Fly Jams Friday, all coming up. Um... We are going to talk about some historic radio broadcasts uh, because July 10th, which it will be, um, WGN broadcasted the Scopes Monkey Trial, which is obviously a, an historic radio broadcast. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, weird fast food merchandise because there's actually a Taco Bell quarterly literary, literary magazine that uh, exists. Uh, lemonade stands are illegal in most states. What? Why? Um, at two thirty every morning, uh, weekday morning, we play back some classic Johnny Carson uh, bits. Uh, Johnny Carson show you can watch it every night on Antenna TV, and we uh, play back some bits. Uh, uh, Don Rickles is going to be played back. Don Rickles, what do you? What can you say about that? There's a vampire slaying kit that uh, is on auction right now. There's some very popular shower songs. And then we have outdated words that int- it, that instantly age you. That's all coming up. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. If you would like to call us, we would love to hear from you. Um, so uh, there you go. Um, my guest right now is uh, Philip Smith. He's the author of Walking Through Walls. You can check out the uh, the website, walkingthroughwallsthebook.com. Um, my guest's father... Um, was a psychic healer, and now my guest uh, still regularly communicates with his deceased dad, and they're writing a new book together. So let's welcome Philip to the show. Philip, how are you? I'm great, and so happy to be here. Thanks for that lovely introduction. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, let's see. Walking through walls is the name of the is the name of the uh, of the book. Tell yep. me, tell me about it. 
Uh, it's basically a memoir of what it was like to grow up in the 60s, the early 60s, with a father who uh, we had a jet set life because he was a very famous um, international decorator. Okay. He did the presidential palace in Haiti, and he worked for Dean Martin and Walt Disney. Wow. And out of the blue, discovered that he could talk to dead people and heal sick people, which was transformative, to say the least, in, in our lifestyle and everything about it, because back then, people just didn't know about this, and they were really terrified of what he was doing. Well, how did he discover it? What happened? What was, the, what was that moment? Well, there, there, there's actually two, let's, there, there are two points. Um, one is, when he was a young man, um, he kept a diary, and um, this was around 1918, uh, and in the diary, you, you know, he, he records his dreams. And then one of the dreams he had was a um, train crash in a desert, and he saw fire and children screaming. And the next day, in the next page in the diary, he went down to get the paper, and there had been a train crash in uh, Nevada that went up in flames, and 13 children had perished oh, in, wow. in that train crash. So he was already sort of prescient in a way. And then uh, fast forward to about 1965-66, there was a guy, a medium named Arthur Ford, who was sort of famous. Um, he had broken what was called the uh, Houdini Code, and when Houdini died, he gave a... Um, he gave his wife a secret message that was made up of letters, numbers, and phrases, uh, but it didn't make any sense, but it could be decoded. And, and Houdini said to his wife that if anybody decodes this, uh, then you'll know that I'm communicating with you from the great beyond. So she had offered, the widow had offered a $10,000 reward, and a guy named Arthur Ford uh, supposedly cracked the code, and he became world famous and would do seances at Carnegie Hall and um, hung out with kings and queens of Europe. So my father in, in the 60s went to a lecture of his in, in Miami, and when he walked in, um, he was looking around. The, the lecture was in an old church, and it was packed, and he's looking around for a seat, and this woman waves him over, and he thinks, oh, great, she's got a seat for me, and she just looks at him. She said, I see you're a healer. Um, can you put your hands on my shoulder? I, I have cancer. And he's thinking, what, what is this? What are you talking about? And he put his hands on her, and they heated up. And um, when they cooled down, he took them away. She said, thank you. I think you've healed me. And this happened a second time. A woman waved him over, and she had, I think, heart disease. And same thing, his hands heated up. And uh, third time that happened, and that was... He was off on his path, and everything just sort of fell in place from there. Wow. Okay, uh, Philip, hang on. Yep. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, Philip is the author of Walking Through Walls. We're going to talk more about Philip and his uh, relationship with his dad and his book as well. Uh, and you can uh, check out walkingthroughwallsthebook.com. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. 
here until 4 a.m. 312-981-7200. That's our phone number if you would like to join us on the Team Hawkward phone line. Uh, we're live in the Skyline studio. And uh, my guest is Philip Smith. He's the author of a book called Walking Through Walls. Um, it's about his uh, his father who uh, was a psychic healer. And um, and he and Philip apparently still communicates with his father. Philip, uh, thanks for being on the show here. Sure. Um, so you still communicate uh, with with your father. How is that possible? Uh, either either I talk directly to him, um, and I sometimes I sit down at the computer and just let him talk to me, and I start writing. I close my eyes. I have no idea what I'm writing. But the other thing is that he. Um, he he sets up incidents. He'll he'll um, he'll tickle me on my ear, almost like a little mosquito or fly there when he wants to let me know about something. Um, so I'll just I'll uh, I'll be you know uh, making a left turn or a right turn, and and all of a sudden there's going to be traffic there, and I get the little tickle in my ear, and I know that okay, what's going on? And I just get real quiet. I listen, and I get I get the direction. Wow. Okay. And, we all can do it. I mean, it's not. I'm not any uh, spe- more special than anybody else. It's a. It's it's part of who we are. It's just a question of like, um, you know, we're not born knowing how to swim, but we can learn how to swim, and it's just basically learning how to swim. And okay, tell me about uh, just in general. Tell me about uh, walking through walls. Tell me about the book. The book is basically uh, growing up in the '60s and watching my father evolve. And as a kid, as a 14-year-old, and you're in the middle of being a hippie and there's drugs everywhere, and you just think your father has totally lost his mind. I mean, he's talking to dead people, and people are coming over to the house like lords at 3 o'clock in the morning and banging on the door that, they, that they're sick or they've had a heart attack. And just in context, this is a time back in the 60s, there were no CAT scans, there were no MRIs, there was no Lipitor. Um, medicine was in a way very primitive back then and if you had cancer um you know they had to diagnose you by cutting you open and looking around to see if they could find the tumors so uh, those are the people that came to my father because the medical profession said you know what we're really sorry we can't help you anymore basically go home and die and that's the those are the people that came to my father seeking help. I know how did the word get out that your father was a healer? Um you know you said people are, people were coming to your father. How did they know that they should come to your to your father? Yeah, um well first of all he never charged um cuz he thought this was a gift from God. Um he never advertised um and you couldn't put him on the radio show like this because the police would come and arrest him for practicing medicine without a license. So it was really there was kind of an underground word of mouth um, that that people would, uh, uh, you know, tell their friends. And he would get phone calls from, from India, from Saudi Arabia, from California, from all over the country of people needing help. And he would work with them on the phone and heal them on the phone. I mean, for him, there was no, there was no idea of uh, time or distance. It, it just didn't matter. Oh, okay. And so when, when, now, now, so you you told us the story about how um, you know he kind of discovered that he had the this mm-hmm. this power um, or this ability. Uh, what did did he did he nurture that afterwards? Did he did and did he get better at it? Oh yeah, and and uh, what 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 happened is that the dead guys 
uh, these dead doctors started showing up and talking to him, and it was almost like a correspondence school. They started training him. So they would know beforehand if someone was coming to him with, say, kidney failure. And they would they would teach him or tell him what to do, how to heal this person um, energetically. I mean, he never gave them um, any medicine, any herbs. He never touched them. So he, he kept evolving, and then he began uh, toward the end of his life getting uh, really into, you know, um, he, turning back hurricanes or changing weather patterns. Uh, I mean, it all sounds fantastic, but uh, it was all the book was written based on audio tapes and, and notes he left behind. I mean, everything was well documented. Is, is does this now? So you say that you still communicate uh, with your father, and you also uh, you communicate with other uh, people as well. Does, is this does this run in your family? Um, I don't think so. I think we are the only two aliens that it happened to. Oh. Um, and uh, as I said it, earlier, it's something that really everyone has. It's not anything. Everyone can learn to drive a car. And um, everyone can learn to make coffee and scramble eggs. Everybody can learn to be more uh, spiritually astute and in tune with, with the energies around them. It just takes a willingness. And, you know, some people need a teacher. Some people can do it on their own. Now, how did you do it? Well, I had a father. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he taught me. Uh, I was, you know, growing up watching and teaching, and he would teach me how he used a pendulum and how he would use different colors to to energize people or heal people, how to send energy. Um, so that's basically how I did it. I mean, what I do now, uh, I'm not a healer per se, but what I, if I have to help people, I do it slightly different than my father. I've sort of evolved my own way of doing things okay now you, you grew up in a house where seances were a normal thing tell me a little bit about that yeah i mean it was um uh, my parents had a very normal marriage until you know and all of a sudden sort of all hell broke loose and it turned into sort of a three-wing circus i mean every every sort of um all those paranormal shows on TV now, which they didn't have when I was a kid, were sort of happening at our house. I mean, people were coming and they they were talking about being abducted by aliens or people were talking in tongues, people were um, uh, doing astrology, they were meditating. I mean, it was, this was, this was very cutting edge back then. I mean, it was, um, this was not part of the um, common vocabulary. So, uh, so the, the, your home life obviously was, was, a, was a little strange. Yeah, and it was, uh, more than that, it was sort of schizophrenic. I mean, I would go to school, and you couldn't talk about this, so because um, otherwise they'd call the cops on my father. So I just pretended, you know, maybe, you know, like my father worked at the phone company or sold insurance. He was just a regular guy. I mean, I didn't bring friends over. I, I led two very different lives. What was happening at home, stayed at home, and then I went outside and I tried to present myself as a normal kid did this when you when you were when you were a kid and you found out about uh, your father's abilities i mean did it freak you out were there times when you were scared um no i think i was more and i think it has to do with one's age i think i was sort of embarrassed like oh there goes my father (laughs) waving his hands healing cancer again this is so 
boring. You know, it was that kind of thing. And, for you know, I wish I could be young and we could start all over again, because now I realize how, how amazing he was. Mm. Now, you commu- you say you communicate with uh, with your father. How did this How did this start? Um, I had actually been, once he passed away, I was going to mediums um, who were doing the communication for me. And I finally um, said to one woman, who's pretty amazing, um, uh, no disrespect on your, your ability, you're very talented, but, you know, this is my father, shouldn't I be talking to him? She said, you're absolutely right, let me show you how. So she um, she gave me some pointers, and then my father started, um, once I, I developed the connection, um, you know, then he started teaching me other ways. So, and you said anybody can do this. What what, what are some of the ways that people can, you know, can hone this? Yeah, I think that what they, people have to do is just, it's, it's a process. And I think that uh, most people, I think it, it, what, what kills it for them is the doubt that, oh, my God, you know, this guy on the radio is saying he can do, I can't do that. And, um, yes, you can. And um, it's a question of trying. And I think everybody should conduct little experiments, such as, um, uh, you know, when the phone rings, guessing who's on the phone, or um, uh, maybe trying to anticipate what letters are coming in the mail today, and little by little try to um, stretch your senses, so to speak. And uh, and then the next thing is, I think, start to be quiet, maybe in the afternoon or, or at night before you go to bed, and just let whatever comes in, comes in. And if you have someone who's passed away, start thinking of them. I mean, they won't show up tomorrow, but it, it'll take a while, and then you may notice ways that they are showing up. Either you'll hear them talking to you, or things will move around the house, or uh, what my mother likes to do is um, she likes to turn on all the lights in the middle of the night everywhere in the house to let me know that she's around and she wants to talk to me. Yeah. So that's her way of, of uh, saying hello. Okay. Um, I don't get much sleep sometimes, but that's what she does. <laughs> all right, Philip, hang on, okay? Yep. Philip Smith is with us. Uh, he is the author of the book, uh, Walking Through Walls, and you can check out walkingthroughwallsthebook.com. And we'll talk more with Philip coming up right here on 720 WGN. All right, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio, we are here until 4 a.m. as we are every weekday night into the morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Regular Friday features coming up uh, after 3 o'clock, straight out of context, Nick D. Show Spies, you big dummy, Fly Jams Friday. Uh, We're going to talk about weird fast food merchandise, uh, some historic radio broadcasts, and uh, popular shower songs and more. 312-981-7200. That's the phone number. If you would like to join us, we would love to hear from you. My guest right now is Philip Smith. He is the author of Walking Through Walls. Uh, it's a book about his father who um, had uh, gifts. He was a psychic healer. And uh, we're talking with Philip all about that. Philip, so so people would just uh, uh, just come to your father for 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 help 
Uh, and how can you kind of estimate how many people he helped? Oh boy, um, it it uh, it's in the thousands. And how I know that is uh, that he asked anybody he helped to write him a letter, um, and there are boxes of these letters of people just saying, you know, Lou, I brought my baby to you, and um, the doctor said he'd be deaf, and now he can hear, and thank you so much. I mean, they're, they're not very detailed. They're not medical letters. But he, he knew he wasn't crazy, and he wanted to show people, hey, you know what? I'm not crazy, and I'm helping people, and this is something that that's maybe doctors should be looking into. So did did uh, his work as a psychic healer did how did that affect his interior design work or did it not? Uh, basically, put him out of business. Oh, it did. Uh, yeah. Uh, what happened was um, word got out and people would come to his design studio, and he would be dealing with a client who you know was going to spend some serious money getting their house redone, and someone would walk in in pain or something, and he'd say, excuse me, but i got to help this person. He felt really called to help people, and um, word got out, and he'd, he'd open the office in the morning, and there'd be lines down the block waiting to see this, you know, miracle guy. Um, again, because medical care was so limited back then, um, and people, listen, when you're sick, you, you want to get better. Yeah, and so so your dad would help anybody that that would that would uh, mm-hmm. that would that would come to him. Yes, and um, any any hour of the night, any time of day, and um, you know I think if if this if he were alive today, uh, you know he'd have a secretary. They would book appointments. It would be very professional. But that's not how it was back then. It was kind of uh, tumultuous. So what are the, what are the kind of uh, communications that you have with your father psychically now? Um, a lot of times it's just personal things. Um, he will, if if I'm going through something, he will sort of show up and, and show me a way through it. Um, he will also guide me in terms of, um, I guess, advancing his work. And um, he will dictate messages to me and this book that I'm I'm working on with him. I mean, I'll just sit down and start writing things, and he's just telling me all these things that that basically, frankly, are not in my uh, realm that I know about. But but I'm just taking the dictation. And he also did this. I mean, he left behind five thousand pages of dictation from his spirit guides. He would get up every day at four a.m. and just start writing and i guess you know uh, like father like son or yeah i mean i just do it as well yeah so so it's a, tell me about uh, uh you know uh, how far into the book are you right now the one that you're writing um i guess about a third and the reason is uh that he left behind so many documents and so many audio tapes, and um, I, although I went through them initially to write Walking Through Walls, um, that was a while ago, and I'm now going through them, I guess, with a different mindset and a different purpose, so I'm rereading everything, and it is just, I mean, it's just a lot of work. Yeah. So that's what's taking time, because I want to I sort of decode what he did and how he did it. That was his request. I mean, in the mediums I've been to, they've they've all said repeatedly, you know, your dad wants you to write this book. So, uh, and it's 
frankly not easy, but it's it's a little bit like an archaeological dig, trying to unearth all these things. Um, so, you're, you, 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 how often do you communicate with your with your dad? Um, it sort of depends. I mean, it's it's um, you know sometimes it's we go without weeks, and then sometimes it's several times a day. It sort of depends. Um, sometimes I get, I'm also an artist and so I get busy with my work and, uh, and there are times he just, or my mom as well, they just want to get through and they'll make it known in, in various ways. And then I sort of shift gears and pay attention to them. Uh, are there other, uh, uh, spirits that, uh, that, uh, connect with you besides your mother and father? No, I, I, that, that, it's enough, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can only, um, my father did have a whole pantheon of people, but, um, uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's the two of them is, is plenty. It's, it's, it's plenty. <laughs> now, in, in, uh, in order to sort of deal with, with, uh, what's happening in your life, you've done a lot of things, including like surfing and even Scientology. Tell me about some of the other adventures that you've had. Oh boy, it's been, uh, I didn't think it was a crazy life, but looking back, it was a crazy life. Um, um, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, when I was, I think, 17, uh, my girlfriend and I decided to go to Europe. And um, so we went off, not with our either of our parents' blessings, and um, we had given both our parents' um, uh, itineraries. But my girlfriend spoke Spanish, and we were first uh, supposed to go to Paris. And she said, you know what, we're, let's just take the train and go to Madrid, because I speak Spanish, let's start there. I said, sure, that makes sense. And that night when we got there, I got really sick. I mean, I was running like 104 fever, Ooh. and um, they didn't know what was going on. We were staying in a little, like, $10 a night pension, and the woman got the doctor, and he basically said to, to my friend, you know what, the, I can't do anything, this guy's going to die. And she was crying, and, and I was sweating and putting um, compresses on me, and about 4 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden, I just kind of woke up and said, what's going on here? And she just looked at me like, what do you mean, you almost died? And we forgot about it, and when I came home, First thing I did from the airport was call my father and say, hey, I'm home, and we had a really great trip. And he said, I'm really what ha- sorry what happened to you in Spain. And I said, wait, what, what are you talking about? Because we, we went all over Europe, and I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. And he said, well, you almost died. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I remember. Well, you know, He said, you know, the problem is you told me you were going to be in Paris, and the spirits came and told me you were really sick, and I... I couldn't find you in Paris, so I had to take out an atlas. This, there was no internet back then. He couldn't go on Google Maps, and he he found me and the street where I was in Madrid in the atlas and started sending me energy. He said, I'm sorry, but it took me, you know, about 20 minutes, 30 minutes to find you because you weren't where you were supposed to be. Next time, stick to your itinerary. So he basically saved my life, but frankly, as a kid, as a teenager, I was annoyed that he was sort of spying on me, which was always my feeling that, you know, I never had any privacy because my father knew what I was thinking, where I was, what I was doing, especially when I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. Wow. Okay. Jeez. So that's a, so he had that ability as well. I mean, this, is, this goes beyond just, like, placing hands on people. 
Oh, oh yeah. I mean, he would um, he would be able to tell you when you're when you're a pregnant woman when her child was going to be born, um, how much it would weigh, and if you came to him with cancer, he could tell you where the tumor was located, how big, how many centimeters it was, and what it would take to get rid of it. Um, it was just who was dealing like with Superman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how do you, how do you, you know, you know, Philip, when you're, when you, when you're speaking and you're talking and things like that, or you're writing, uh, when skeptics come in, how do you deal with skeptics? You know, it, it doesn't bother me at all. And I, I'm not in any way, everybody's entitled to their belief. I just think that, in fact, I, uh, a woman the other day said, really read the book and loved it. And she said, but my husband's a skeptic. I said, he just hasn't experienced it. That's all. Once you experience it, you, you, you can't deny it. And the way I deal with it is, I said, look, stop and think. Think about your heart, which is beating, I don't know, you know, 58,000 times a day. And, you don't have to change the battery on that. Or when we go to the movies and we put on 3D glasses and we go, wow, cool, the 3D, this is amazing. We see in 3D all the time. Our eyes are built that way. Who built our eyes? How did they design them to see in 3D and see the shadows and just to the light? And who's telling our heart to keep beating and, and send blood to our brain and repair certain uh, cells that come into our body that we don't want there? It's it's all miraculous. I mean, just being alive is phenomenal. And I think if you start to uh, really understand what it's like to be alive and not wake up and throw down the coffee and rush to work and pay your mortgage, but golly, wh- what are we and what are we doing here? All of a sudden, I think you can start to appreciate things. I know that um, when I tell stories to people, um, <laughs> It's like, oh, you know, they Googled you or you Googled it. Um, No, um, I couldn't have gotten this information on Google. And I think it just takes time. But I think that the society has changed and people are more willing uh, to listen to this. Whereas during my father's time, unfortunately, it was a very repressive time. And, um, you know, he would just get arrested for for being who he was. Mm, Okay. Uh, We have a caller who has just called in. Ron, uh, go ahead, Ron. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Uh, it's Mr. Smith, correct? Yeah. Hi, hi Ron. Yeah, Mr. Smith, I got a quick question, so this way other callers can get in. You know, I find it kind of fascinating how you're connecting with your dad and all this about advice and stuff like that. But, I mean, uh, I lost my dad, my mom, and I kind of grew up in the Leave it to Beaver household, so to speak. I had an older brother, my mom and dad, and myself. We're all, they're all gone now. But uh, here's the thing, though. I mean, the first thing I would ask him is, like, what's it like on the other side? Uh, have you met other, like, celebrities? Did, did he meet, like, Dave Root? Did he meet, like, Mark Twain? Uh, have you seen Christ? Have you seen saints? I mean, to me, those are the most logical questions. Have you ever talked with your dad about stuff like that? You know, what's it like on the other side? But, well, I'll give you an answer, but I never thought of that. I mean, that's amazing to me. I should say, did you ever, you know, can you hang out with John Kennedy or something? It never crossed my mind. Um, but I am going to look into that. That is uh, pretty extraordinary. One of the things I'll tell you about uh, what it's like on the other side, and it's actually, I think it's on the website. One of the messages from my father, he asked one of his spirit guides, you know, basically, what's it like to be dead. Um, 
And how is it that, that you can see me and talk to me and I don't see you? And the guy explained it this way, and it, it really makes so much sense. He said, remember those old black and white movies, uh, the, like the detective movies, and they got the perpetrator, and he's in the room, and he's being grilled by the detective, and there's a one-way mirror there. And on the other side of the mirror is the lieutenant watching the, the interrogation. He said, that's exactly what it's like for us. We are on the other side of the one-way mirror. We see you. We see everything that's going on with you, um, and we don't have a body, but and we can be anywhere. We can split our consciousness into a, a million pieces, but we see you, but you don't see us. And you know what? It, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, and the other thing, the other message, and I think it's on there as well, I can't remember. Um, my father asked someone that uh, there was a, one of his healing guides named Chandra Sen could work with my father and work with his students and work with, you know, be around. And people say, oh, Chandra Sen was here and Chandra Sen was here. And my father said, how can you be in so many places at once? You're one person. And the way he explained it, and this also makes perfect sense to me, is if you, let's say you go to the beach and you fill a cup of water from the ocean, the, the water in that, in that cup is still the ocean, and then there's still the ocean, and then you pour that cup into another cup. That water in, in the other cup is still the ocean, and the first cup is the ocean, and then there's the big ocean. So consciousness can split into a lot of different areas. Um, but I do like your idea of finding out about famous people. I am going to look into that. Okay. All right, Ron, thank you for the call. Um, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Philip, listen, thanks for being with us. The book is called Walking Through Walls. People can check out walkingthroughwallsthebook.com. Fascinating stuff, and it was fun to have you on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate okay. it. Take care. Philip Smith, and walkingthroughwallsthebook.com is the website. All right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and we will return. <laughs> I'm really kind of shy But I get this feeling Whenever you walk by I don't want to doubt you I want to right. you high Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio. 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago here till 4 o'clock. Um, coming up, we are going to, uh, talk about some, uh, historic radio broadcasts, um, and, uh, and also, um, some weird fast food merchandise and, uh, some popular shower songs and much more. 312-981-7200 is the phone number and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Hey, did you know that, uh, pickles can help fight cavities? Just Continuing to add to reasons why pickles rule. You fan of pickles, Tom? Uh, big fan, but it took until I I was in fifth grade. I, I hated pickles until I was in fifth grade. Uh, well, what changed? Um, <laughs> it's kind of odd. We had some sort of contest in in our classroom. It was like you know, like some Jeopardy game or something like that. And the prize was a pickle. You got a like a hot pickle. And I had never had one of them before. You know those hot pickles you can get at yep. the Seven Eleven. Yep. 
And for some reason, this this happens to me a lot when it comes to competitions. I become possessed around a prize if it's particularly odd or something kind of kitschy. Okay. Like I've done bar trivia where I was so focused on winning a Samuel Adams ball cap that it drove <laughs> me to insanity. So that's my competitive streak is that if the prize is really odd or offbeat, I want it. Mm-hmm. I want it bad. So fifth grade, the prize was a hot pickle. And I... You Which know, is a weird it's, prize. It's a very weird prize for a fifth grade classroom in 2000. Well, for anywhere, right. it's a weird prize. So uh, I worked really hard at this trivia or something like that, the in-class activity, and I became victorious. And then I remembered, oh, wait, I don't get pickles on my burgers or anything like that. I've never really been a fan of pickles. And now here I am with this hot pickle, and everybody expects you to eat the pickle. Yeah. They're looking at you. They're like, all right, you got what you wanted. Yeah. You got to eat the pickle now. Yeah. So I tried it and uh, ended up really, really liking it. And now I put, I, I love putting pickles on everything. I love pickles. I love them. And you know who else loves pickles? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> he was on Oprah. I remember he was on Oprah one time giving a tour of his house. This is like in the early 2000s. And uh, he opened up his fridge. He's like, and he's got like 900 jars of different kind of pickles. Matthew McConaughey has 900 different he jars He opened of up his fridge and it was loaded with different kind of pickles. Jars oh, of pickles. So you got um, spicy pickles. Everything. He's like, man, I love the pickles. Pe- <laughs> How many varieties of pickle are there? There are a lot. I'm clearly a neophyte. There are a lot. And, and he's like, man, I, I love pickles. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about pickles, man. You put a zucchini in there. That's right, man. Or cucumber in there. You get a... So um, now they can help fight cavities. Come on, man. What 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 what, what does a what can't a pickle do? <laughs> Whether it's potato chips or cotton candy, we uh, live in a, a pickle. Uh, we live in an era of pickle love. By the way, uh, you know, in our office, one of our great listeners, Deanna. Sent us a couple of bags of uh, dill pickle flavored popcorn. Ooh, it's in the office, man. There you go. Dig in. So, um, in recent years, pickles have become a rallying symbol for transgender rights. Uh, beloved for their unique flavor profiles, pickles have a number of health benefits. It's why some sports drinks are made with pickles. Because they contain electrolytes and potassium. You know, that's what you're supposed to do if you're, like, dehydrated or you're anything. You drink pickle juice. Really? Oh, yeah. Mm. When the pickles, you know, when you run out of pickles, keep the jar in the fridge. With the juice? Yeah. Drink it. Jeez. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding, man. Do you drink? Have you yes. done Yes. Yes. I've heard it's a really many, good. Many, many times. I've heard it's times. a really good cure for a hangover. Well, I, or, don't ha- or, I don't have those anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. But yes. But uh, they're a great <laughs> yes. chaser. That's why pickle juice is poured into a Bloody Mary. You know what? I never even thought about that. Yeah. Because I'm not a big Bloody Mary person. Oh, man. Come on. I mean, I, I you know, I, Virgin Mary now for me. But right. uh, but when I was a drink, oh, man. And I made great, when I was a bartender, I made great Bloody Marys. Bloody Marys. I was a killer Bloody Mary maker. I think the first one I've had in a long time was when I was just away for the Fourth of July weekend. We had blood, we had Bloody Mary. It was pretty good. I I I seriously, you know, I mean, I do every once in a while I have a Virgin Mary, 
But man, when I was a drinker, I drank Bloody Mary. <laughs> drank Bloody Marys a lot. Pretty, well, because I was answer. an alcoholic, yeah. so like I'd wake up the next day and go, "Oh, I know what'll cure my hangover: more alcohol." <laughs> so it's that, true, man. That and the mimosa. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the mimosa. Not a mimosa. No, not oh, a yeah. champagne kind of kind of guy. Well, you're not a woman in her 40s. So. I mean, look, tomato juice is one of my favorite things on the planet. It's V8, good. V8, one of my favorite things on the planet. It's good for you. And, you know, vodka. <laughs> <laughs> put a pickle in there. You put a pickle, pickle juice in there. Have you seen the ridiculous stuff that people go to? They put a full cheeseburger oh, in yeah. there? Oh, yeah. No, no, it's ridiculous. I've seen some of the most ridiculous. Like, they, you know, like they put the, they put them on the stirrers. They stick everything on yeah. the meat and all kinds of. I've had like cra- I've had crazy Bloody Marys in the past. Bacon. Yeah. No, no, no. Nuts. People go nuts. A slice of cake. The Bloody Mary, they have Bloody Mary bars. Where you can just go, uh, you know, if 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 you're like at a um, a brunch, there's a Bloody Mary bar. We just walk up and go, okay, put whatever you want in the in the Bloody Mary. But pickles, man, uh, they can fight cavities. A new study has found that the probiotics in a pickle and other fermented vegetables can prevent tooth decay and thwart the oral bacteria that causes uh, cavities. This is a study published in Frontiers of Microbiology. It took place at the University in China, conducted on 28 17-year-old female rats over a week period. A total of 54 strains of bacteria taken from 14 types of uh, local pickles were fed to half of the rats. And After a few days, the entire group was infected with a dose of cavity-causing bacteria known for speeding up tooth decay, and the others weren't. So if you need another reason to eat pickles, you know. What a way to start your day, too. Get up, you know, rub your eyes, walk over to the fridge, grab drink your big some pickle juice. juice. Drink some pickle juice. Big big swig of pickle juice, yep. and the ladies will love it. Oh, yeah, sure. I The only thing you can't get past is the smell, because that's going to taint your breath a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, you know, there are different, there are a lot of different, now, do you like, do you, do you like the, the sweet butter pickles? I can't say I've had I've I, I'm new to this whole variety of pickles. Oh, there's a ton the, of different kind of. Pickles. I knew there was like dill pickles, which sure. are, you know I have pickle spears in my house constantly. There's always pickle spears. Yeah. Um, I, I go with the, the whole. Pickle. I go with the whole pickle. Yeah, the jars. I get the whole when I when I it's mm-hmm. usually I, I go I go with black. I like I like having the spears because it's just easy for when I make hot dogs. I'm yeah, no, that makes sense. You put a, a, I mean, that goes on a, hot, yeah, a Chicago goes, style hot dog. Right there, spirit pickle. Um, but I guess I got to open my horizons here. Oh, there's a lot. You, you, listen, man, it's a whole different world. That and olives. Oh, I love olives. Yeah, I had some jalapeno stuffed olives. Yeah, some like blue cheese stuffed olives. I had when I was a bar back. I had to I spend <laughs> three hours a day stuffing olives with uh, blue cheese. Listen, man, I was a bartender. I was a bartender for a long time, man. Would they? Would they give you? Did you have like a pastry? thing no no how'd no. you get the like blue a, cheese like in a there? small a small spoon a small spoon yeah to scoop it out and put it into the into the olive yeah wow yeah. i really worked at a fancy they gave me the pastry no gun. we didn't have that i, I didn't work i didn't work at places like that yeah, yeah you didn't work at a fine establishment no, i didn't work at steakhouses and stuff <laughs> so anyway all right god bless pickles hey we're going to talk about the scopes monkey trial and uh, how it was a legendary broadcast from this very radio station. We're going to talk about more legendary uh, radio broadcast after the news.
said it before and I'll say it again. You can never go wrong with earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> you just can't. And it's great to see them live because they have 75 people on stage. And they're all dressed in the same costumes. <laughs> you ever see, Tom, you ever see Earth, Wind, and Fire live? I haven't had the opportunity. Oh, man. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. Hopefully we'll hear a little Earth, Wind, and Fire a little later when the Friday features happen. Fly Jams Friday. And we got Straight out of Context, Nick D. Show Spies, and You Big Dummy all coming up. Hi. Nick DeGilio here. On, we are going to talk about the Scopes Monkey Trial. Because uh, it began on this uh, date, July 10th, in 1925, and WGN Radio broadcast the trial, uh, this legendary radio station. We're going to talk about that. And historic radio broadcasts. Uh, off the air, Tom and I were discussing ketchup. Can I say what you told me off the air? Yeah, you may. You may. I just want to make sure broadcast it was okay. this to the world. Um, Tom's girlfriend puts ketchup on her hot dog. And you recently just said have road trip. You did a road trip to Iowa. I did. And evidently the entire family unit and people in Iowa put ketchup on their hot dogs. From what I experienced, yes. It was a little bit like an uh it was kind of like an expedition. I felt like Steve Irwin amongst the crocodiles, you know. <laughs> these kind of these kind of base human beings <laughs> using this horrible red sauce. Um yeah, I mean, I know it's you know it's a it's a Chicago cliche. It really is, and but that's, you can't that, put ketchup on a hot dog. I've said this before. If you're over five years old and you put ketchup on a hot dog, you should go directly to jail. You know, I, I love hot dog stands that don't even have ketchup, not even for the fries. Gene and Jude's does that, right? Gene and Jude, no, they have ketchup. They, they have ketchup, have, but just for the fries. Just for the fries, they will not put it on. Like if the, if you ask for ketchup on the hot dog, Gene and Jude's will be like, "No, get out." <laughs> If you know, because there are places that have that don't have any ketchup. There's some hot dog stands in Chicago that don't even have any ketchup, and there are some many places that have like the ketchup containers. You know, the, the squeeze bottle. Uh, they have it, and uh, they say things like, "I'm not going to ruin. I'm not going to ruin the hot dog. You do it yourself." And there are a lot of hot dog places that have ketchup. That have ketchup. And label it for fries only. That's that's how that's how some of them label it. But so it's interesting because you know Tom was just saying that like he was in Iowa just this past weekend, and it just you know as soon as he said something to the people who were putting ketchup on the hot dog, they were like, "Oh, boy, you're from Chicago," you know. So it's it is it's become a cliche, but it's true. You can't put ketchup on a hot dog. You can't. Uh, 312-981-721. I want to t- talk a little bit more about this with, uh, with, uh, with Tom. We're going to get to the Scopes Monkey Trial as well. We've got a lot of stuff here we're going to do this morning. 312-981-721 is the phone number. Here's Danielle on WGN. Hi, Danielle. Oh, hey, Nick. How are you? All right. Um, I am so embarrassed to admit it because I really am from Chicago. Um, but I will say that I'll, like, literally go to Gene and Jude's or I'll go to, like, a hot dog place and I will get two hot dogs. And I will get one and eat it in public that's, like, you know, with the mustard and everything normal. And then I'll bring one home and I'll put ketchup on it at home. Uh-huh. It's very weird. I just, I don't know. I grew up, my godmother did it. And because of that, it's like I just have this craving for it every once in a while. And I will not admit it to, like, anyone from Chicago. 
Well, you just did. Indiana, I will put it on the hot dog. Well, and I don't know if you know this or not, but you just admitted it on a fifty thousand watt radio station in Chicago. Yeah, but like, (laughs) (laughs) no, but like Nick, like it's okay. Like I'm, I'm accepting it now. Okay. Twenty-seven. All right. She's no. You're no longer a self-loathing ketchup user. No. I'll try not to be. I guess. I guess I'll just eat it in public and just get ridiculed. It'll be fine. By Chicagoans. Yeah. Okay, Danielle. Thanks. All right. So anyway, this came up because you told me that you were like, hey, I just want to let you know, Lauren puts ketchup on her hot dog. She does. Do you ever try and go, do you just tell her sometimes and go, you know, it, it, but she's not from Chicago. No. Okay, I'll give her that. I'll give you that. But yeah. if you're a Chicagoan, born and bred Chicagoan, and you put ketchup on your hot dog, jail. <laughs> right right to the who's cow. Exactly. Chain gang. Ball okay. on your leg. <laughs> You're picking up trash <laughs> on the side of the highway. You're outside raking with James Remar <laughs> <laughs> on the chain gang. <laughs> That's a 48 hours reference. Oh, my God. I watch that movie monthly. Yeah, you gotta, gotta get it's one of my favorite. It's truly one of my favorite movies of all time. Of course, it's directed by Walter Hill, who has made... Um, so many of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, but anyway, so ketchup, uh, ketchup in general. The only thing I use it for is I put it. I'll put it on a burger. Yeah, it's, yeah. And uh, uh, no, let me ask you this: What kind of a ketchup? No, you you don't even use ketchup for fries, right? Uh, not really. I I just really like the taste of fries. Like I'm cool with yeah. just the salt on it. That's that's. I cool to- with I me. totally understand that. I do that sometimes too. Sometimes I'll put some ketchup. Uh, but here's the thing. You know what makes me crazy? I'm a dipper. Okay? You squeeze the ketchup away from the fries. You dip the ketchup in the fries. You know what makes me crazy? People who squirt ketchup all over the pile of fries. That's... People do that, man. It's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a messy way to eat fries. Uh, well, people do it. And, uh, you know, I remember, I remember one time we were at... Uh, we were at Roma. A couple of buddies of mine were at Roma's, which is a great Italian beef place on Cicero near Montrose. One of the best Italian beef places in the city. So I, this was in high school. A couple of buddies of mine. We got a big basket of fries. We're gonna eat our. Uh, we're gonna eat our beefs, and uh, we, we, you know, we 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 bring it over to the because they had like a a, a little uh, a rail that you could eat at, you know. And so we bring it over, put it down. I walk away for a couple of seconds. I come back, and one of the idiots that I was with squirted ketchup all over the fries, like the basket of fries. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? And he's like, what? You know, put, the, get, put the ketchup in a container or squirt it on, the, on a napkin, and then you dip the fry into the ketchup. You don't put ketchup all over the fries. You know what this conversation makes me wonder? (laughs) How I won an award for a radio show? (laughs) That's question number two. That's question number two. We'll get to that one soon enough. Uh But it makes me wonder, what would Harry Callahan have to say about this conversation? Yeah. No, this stuff isn't getting to me. The shootings, the knifings, the beatings. Old ladies being bashed in the head for their Social Security checks. Teachers being thrown out of a fourth floor window because they don't give A's. That doesn't bother me a bit. But you know what does bother me? What? You know what makes me really sick to my stomach? What? 
It's watching you stuff your face with those hot dogs. Nobody, I mean nobody, puts ketchup on a hot dog. <laughs> That's straight from Clint. That's Clint. If it, you want to argue with Clint Eastwood, be my ar- guest. You can't argue with Clint. <laughs> and you know what? Harry Callahan's from San Francisco. He's not even. He's not even a Chicagoan. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, I don't know how we got onto this topic. Let's take a quick break, okay? Because we got to get got to get a, a break in here, and then we'll. I don't know where how we got on ketchup. Because you told me off the air that your girlfriend puts ketchup on her hot dog, and I can't uh, let that pass. Uh, you can't. You, <laughs> all right, Gandalf. As a as a Chicago Gandalf, as a Chicago radio host, I cannot let that. Yo, shall not pass. <laughs> all right, let's let's take a break. Nick DeGilio and WGN. All right. Hi, Nick DeGilio here. 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. I love doing the overnights with you. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We're going to get to the Scopes Monkey Trial uh, because that began on this date in 1925. And, of course, it was broadcast on this legendary radio station. So we're going to talk about that and then talk about some of uh, the historic radio broadcasts of all time. Because radio is one of the best mediums of all time. Somehow we got on the subject of ketchup, which is, you know, you know, in Chicago, when you say the word ketchup and hot dog in the same sentence, jail. <laughs> so, but your girlfriend, do you ever, do you ever say to your girlfriend, you can't do that in public? Uh, I just, I just simply uh, chide her every time she does that. Yeah. And she looks at me with that face, you know, the <laughs> You know the face? With that face. You know exactly what face I I'm talking know, about. Listen, I've been divorced twice. I know yeah, that face. face. I've seen that face millions of times. Yeah, we're not friend. even married and she gives me the divorce face. It's, just, <laughs> it's over. But uh, uh, And then she goes about her business because she will not be told what she can and cannot well, put that, on you know, her hot dog. Hey, listen, good for her. All right, here's Jim on WGN. Hi, Jim. Hey, Nick. As you were speaking to WGN, you guys... A breath of fresh air. You're the only really talk show left on the radio. But you were talking about ketchup, and uh, this isn't hot dog related. But you remember in Pulp Fiction when Uma Thurman told John Travolta the joke about the ketchup? Yes. The, the tomatoes crossing the street, and the, the little tomato got ran over, and she, and the big tomato looked back and said, ketchup? Yeah. <laughs> remember that? that that's I the do. reason I called <laughs> no big deal, but I just thought when you said ketchup, and you don't you, put ketchup on you thought dogs, of, no, you, no, you don't put ketchup on a hot dog. But yes, I've, of course I remember that. I remember everything about Pulp Fiction. I love that movie. Wasn't that a great movie? It's one of the best. Guys, I absolutely love anyway, it. I really enjoy listening to you. Thank you, know, you Jim. Your, your, Thank you, buddy. Fun. I appreciate that. Okay. You have a good weekend, okay? Yeah, you take care. All right, buddy. Yeah. Take care. There we go. Yeah, the joke that uh, Uma Thurman told in uh, Pulp Fiction. I love that scene. Well, I love that whole movie, but I love that scene. Uh, five dollars for a shake. Five dollars for a shake. That's milk and ice cream. <laughs> then he takes a sip of the shake. I can't say on the air what he actually says. But yeah, I mean, I you know, uh, I I put ketchup you know on a burger here and there. How about ketchup on scrambled eggs? Do you know anybody who does that? 
Does your does your girlfriend do that, Tom? Does she put ketchup on scrambled eggs? No, she doesn't. I've seen people douse scrambled eggs with ketchup, and I ju- I do not understand that. I do not understand that. I know, I know people just put ketchup on everything. I, oh, here's a here's a quick story. So a couple of my buddies were hanging out. And uh, this, the, one of my friends was letting a, letting a guy stay over, another, well, another of my buddies, stay over at his house because um, he was in the middle of, like, he had to move. He had to get out of his house. He had to move out of his apartment, move into another one. So he had, like, a month where he, he was going to be in between because he couldn't get the, the new apartment for, for a month. So my buddy put him up for a month. And so one night he was like, okay, look, let's, let's just have a really, I'll make a really nice meal. And so he's got really couple of beautiful steaks, like really beautiful, marbled, beautiful steaks that will make you drool if you're a carnivore, of which I am. So he's got these steaks. I've told you this story, right? So my friend makes the steaks for him. Great cook, by the way, this guy who's, who's, who is letting his friend stay there. So he makes these steaks, beautiful, beautiful steaks, medium rare, perfectly done, seasoned beautifully. Puts it on the plate with hash browns on the side. And the other guy douses it with ketchup. My friend said he, it was. It took him everything to not kick him out of the house. Like you can be homeless for a month if you're going to put ketchup on this steak. He put ketchup on the steak. Good God. Here's Matt on WGN. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hi. Nick. Yes. And uh, I will not eat ketchup in the house. I will, I will not eat ketchup in the house. I will not eat ketchup in the boat. I will not eat ketchup in the car. I will not eat ketchup, Sam I am. I do not like it, Sam I am. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Seuss. Uh, of course. Yeah, what type of sick... Depra- oh, by the way, if I was that guy, I would have kicked him out of the house. What type of sick... Depraved animal, and I'm going to say this every time we talk about ketchup. A puts ketchup on a hot dog, and B puts ketchup on a steak. I don't even eat red meat anymore, and I know not to put ketchup on a steak. Well, it's you know it's barbecue it, sauce it, it, on a steak. Yeah, no, I mean I don't even put. I mean I don't mind just every once in a while, depending on the you know, like if it's not a great steak, you know what I mean? Because every once in a while you don't get a good steak. Little A one, you know what I mean? That's fine. But if you got a nice piece of steak, you don't need anything on it. You don't need anything. You eat the steak. <laughs> but no, I mean, and, and my friend described that he said he was he got nauseous. Like here he's just dousing, he's putting ketchup all over this beautiful piece of meat. I was like, come on, man. Matt, thanks for the call. <laughs> uh, is your girlfriend listening right now? She's probably uh, asleep, right? Yeah, she, no, she's dead asleep. She has yeah. uh, what we call a regular job. A regular job, job right. <laughs> so she's not going to be up at 1230 uh, no. in the morning listening to us talk about how she puts ketchup on a hot dog. No, that's... <laughs> see, this is great. This is my... This is like couples therapy, except the other party isn't here. Uh-huh. It's very interesting. Yeah. She's going to dig into the podcast, dude. Oh, uh, she probably will. <laughs> Honey, I love you. Please don't make me sleep on the couch. It's a nice couch. But... Yeah, but I don't want to sleep on it. Here's Glenn on WGN. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Nick. Love the show as usual. Thanks, buddy. I, ha- I have the ultimate 
ketchup horror story, and it is not hot dog related. An ex-girlfriend of mine actually makes her spaghetti using ketchup. Oh, no, no. Come Dude, on, man. I wanted man. to commit suicide right there when I first saw Come it. Come on, man. I'm Italian. You can't tell that to me. Ketchup and spaghetti? Come on. Needless to say, she's an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. That's another story. But Wow. I mean, who does that? No, I don't know. Nobody who's sane. I don't, I don't know. Oh, God, that is just a crime. That's a crime, Glenn. Oh. All right, buddy. Thanks for the call, man. All right. Take care, Nick. Yeah, have a great morning. Oh, come on, man. Ketchup and spaghetti. Come on, man. Oh. Not even if you're out if you're out of ragu. You don't have like a jar of tomato sauce. You're not making your own. You don't put ketchup on spaghetti. Oh. This is my stomach. Oh, back up. <laughs> yeah. I guess I've heard that before. I guess like little kids maybe sometimes put ketchup on their spaghetti, right? And again, if you're a little kid, the ketchup crimes, you can get by with them. Jeez. <laughs> we got on this topic because during the, during the news, I walked out to get some water down the hall and I came back through to the producer room here where Tom is, and he's like, hey, I, uh, I just need to tell you that uh, my girlfriend puts ketchup on her hot dog, and I was like, what? So we had to discuss it. All right. Nick DiGilio on WGN. Okay, so this is the uh, anniversary, July 10th, of the Scopes Monkey trial. We'll tell you all about that, and, uh, and it was broadcast right here on this legendary radio station, and then we're going to talk about some other historic radio broadcasts. If you would like to join us, we would love to have you. 312-981-7200. Hello. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Uh, it's a Friday morning, and so that means the regular Friday features will happen after 3 o'clock. Straight out of context, Nick D. Show Spies, You Big Dummy, and Fly Jams Friday. Our phone number is 312-981-7200. On this day, <clears throat> this date in 1925, the Scopes Monkey Trial began. Uh, WGN Radio broadcasts the trial, um, and uh, we're going to talk about that and more historical, uh, historic radio broadcasts. Um, here's uh, Professor Cork. Hello, Professor. Hello. Good morning. Great show, Dick. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I read a great book recently called Capitalism in America by uh, Alan Greenspan and Adrian Woolridge. It just came out uh, in 2019, and it was so important to the south side of Chicago um, when he came uh, to defend the case that uh, and he was running for president, of course, and the lawyer. And it, he was written also about uh, in the book by George Will on the philosophy 
fundamental philosophy of the Republican Party, the lawyer was so profound that he affected George Will in his most recent book. Um, so it has a great Chicago history, the Scopes trial. Okay. All right. I appreciate the call, Professor. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> in Dayton, Tennessee, the so-called Scopes monkey trial begins on this date in 1925. John Thomas Scopes, a young high school science teacher accused of teaching evolution in violation of a Tennessee state law. The law, which had been passed in March, made it a misdemeanor punishable by a fine to teach any theory that denies the story of divine creation of man <clears throat> as taught in the Bible and to teach instead that man has descended from lower order of animals. With uh, local businessman George Rapalia, Scopes had conspired to get charged with this violation. After his arrest, the pair enlisted the aid of the ACLU to organize a defense. Hearing of this coordinated attack on Christian fundamentalism, uh, William Jennings Bryan, the three-time Democratic presidential candidate and fundamentalist hero, volunteered to assist the prosecution. Soon after, <clears throat> the great attorney Clarence Darrow agreed to join the ACLU in defense, and the stage was set for one of the most famous trials in U.S. history. Um, so WGN Radio play, uh, actually, play, uh, actually broadcast this. It took place... Um, you know, and uh, uh, Quinn Ryan and WGN Radio made history in Dayton. The Scopes trial was the first live broadcast of a trial in American history. It took a lot of money and planning to make it happen. <clears throat> WGN Radio, just a year old at the time, spent $1,000 a day to broadcast the trial live. They rented AT&T cables stretching all the way from Chicago to Dayton, Tennessee. Their listeners in Chicago and beyond would have a front-row seat to what was already being called the trial of the century. When WGN's announcers and engineers first arrived in Dayton, everyone looked at them in awe. In 1925, radio was still uh, new enough that nobody was quite sure of how it worked. The idea that you could hear a human voice um, through the airwaves was fantastic, says John Williams, our, our very own John Williams. The mayor of Dayton invited the radio team to stay at his house. We're like moon men here, Quinn Ryan said. We're the radio uh, guys from outer space. WGN Radio placed four microphones strategically throughout the courtroom. The radio station received the rights to rearrange the way the court was set up. And this was the first time this happened where the media manipulated an event literally the way it played out. Uh, where, will, where will the people sit? Where will the jury be seated? The relationship of the judge to the prosecution and the defense, all of that changed to accommodate the radio station's microphones. <clears throat> Announcer Quinn Ryan, famous for creating broadcasts that were almost as good as being there, quote-unquote, did not disappoint the audience. When, Williams Jenning, when William Jennings Bryan walked into the courtroom on the first day, Ryan commented, here comes William Jennings Bryan. He enters now, his bald pate like a sunrise over the Key West. <laughs> he lived in florida by the way for most of the trial ryan sat quietly near a windowsill allowing his listeners to interpret the events for themselves sometimes he would clarify a point or identify a speaker when he wanted to do an extended commentary he would go into a chamber just off of the courtroom to speak to the audience without interrupting the trial like so many of the out-of-town reporters ryan saw himself as one of the mods in an unsophisticated southern town 
but he did his best to not condescend. He wanted to be the pointer. He wanted to be the illustrator. He tried not to pass along judgment, but he did say that he, he was uh, even that he was pulling for scopes, as were all of the newspaper people, as said John Williams again. On the sixth day of the trial, Judge John T. Ralston ruled that the scientists who had been waiting to testify in favor of evolution would not be allowed to speak to the jury, believing the trial was over. Most of the reporters left, but WGN Radio stayed in Dayton. On Monday, July 20th, when the judge reconvened court outside of, under the trees, the microphones were there. Uh, the radio audience was fortunate. They were able to hear William Jennings Bryan stand up near the microphone and say that he was going to defend the word of God against the greatest agnostic and atheist in, every, uh, in the United States. It was really compelling radio. Unfortunately for history, technology did not permit the Scopes trial to be recorded. Today, only the transcript, uh, transcripts tell the story. The sounds inside the courtroom, the voices of Brian and Clarence Darrow and the announcer Quinn Ryan are lost forever. So that's the anniversary today. 95 years. This unbelievable radio station. So. And in fact, we still have that microphone. Yes. It's right down this, right, right outside here. Yeah. Right down in the green room. Yep. I've been told that it's still, if they were able to mess with it a bit, it would still work to this day. No. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Adam, we, Adam could do it. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> as a genius. <laughs> but uh, if we had if we had the proper technology, if we had the proper technology we have to plug it into, that microphone would still work. Come on now. That's what I was told. Okay. I believe you. Uh, we've got some historic radio broadcasts to talk about. Uh, radio and the phonograph have enabled us for the first time in history to broadcast some of the most important historical moments to the world. Uh, here are some of the most famous and historically important broadcasts in history. So the first one here that they mention, the Hindenburg disaster. Uh, the Hindenburg was a German Zeppelin built in 1935 in order to carry passengers between Europe and the United States due to a military embargo by the U.S., the Germans, who normally used helium in their Zeppelins, chose to use flammable hydrogen. In 1937, it met with disaster when landing at Lakehurst Naval Air Station. It is particularly interesting to note that the tone of voice being used by the reporter in, in the recording, you can truly appreciate the horror you felt at witnessing it, something that uh, has virtually vanished from modern reporting. It's particularly evident when he cries out the now famous phrase, oh, the humanity. Yeah. Hey, can we find some of the audio of these, Tom? Uh, oh, here we go. Enough can keep it from... It's burst under flesh. Get it started. Get it started. It's right and it's rising. It's rising. Terrible. Oh, my. Get out of the way, please. It's burning, bursting into flames, and, and it's falling on the morning fast, and all the folks between us, this is terrible. This is the one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's like 20, oh, four or five hundred feet into the sky, and it, it's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen, the smoke and the flames now, and the flame is crashing to the ground, not quite to the morning mass. Oh, the humanity and all the passengers yeah. beating around it. Yeah, that's legendary right there. Horrible. Huge tragedy, obviously. But that's a that's a legendary piece of audio right there. Did you ever see the movie The Hindenburg, Tom? I did not. Oh, God. George C. Scott was in it. It's like two and a half hours long, and it was like a soap opera. 
and then the the you know and then the the zeppelin blows up at the end it's like an episode it was like an episode of like love boat only really you know sincere and George C. Scott was at his, uh, George C. Scott, I think at that time, George C. Scott was half in the bottle all the time. He enjoyed booze. I don't know if you knew that or not. George C. Scott enjoyed his liquor. But that was not one of his best performances. And it was a, it was a terrible movie. But that was at the time when, you know, in the 70s, you know, there was a disaster movie every week that came out to the theaters. Every week there was a new disaster movie. <laughs> Some of them were in censor round. <laughs> One of the dumbest ideas ever. Put a couple of giant speakers in the back of the theater and raise up the bass to ear-splitting levels and just blast it. Anytime there was an earthquake, an earthquake. <laughs> and it was so ridiculous that we're actually ceilings were falling in, in, in theaters, in old theaters. They were like crumbling. Theaters were like crumbling because of these stupid speakers that sense around. Only in the 70s would someone come up with a stupid idea like that. Everybody was drunk and high in the 70s. That's where, they, that's where all these ideas came from. I got an idea. Let's put a couple of giant speakers in the back of the theater and crank them. <laughs> Excuse me while I go back to my bong. <laughs> um, here's Elizabeth on WGN. Hi, Elizabeth. Good morning. Love your show, of course. I remember the broadcasting of Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. Yeah. And also, December 7th, 1941. It was a Sunday. My mother was braiding my hair. I was eight years old. And we heard that the Japanese had attacked Pearl Harbor. And, of course, we were very frightened because I had a brother who served on the USS Liberty, and they were in the Pacific. Yeah. We didn't hear anything for six months, and then we finally got the notice that mm. he was a prisoner of war of the Japanese. Three years he spent in a Japanese prison camp. Yeah. You've told that story before. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thanks, Elizabeth. Good night. Okay, take care. Speaking of War of the Worlds, that's the next one here mentioned. Directed by Orson Welles, this broadcast was an adaptation of H.G. Wells' classic novel, War of the Worlds and was performed as a Halloween special on October 30th, 1938. The live 60-minute broadcast, presented mostly as a series of news bulletins, frightened many listeners into believing an actual Martian invasion was in progress. There was a public outcry against the episode, but it launched Wells to great fame. I looked down the harbor, all, all manner of boats, overloaded with fleeing population, pulling out from docks, Streets are all jammed, noise and crowds like New Year's Eve in city. Wait a minute, the, the enemy is now in sight above the Palisades. Five, five great machines. First one is crossing the river. I can see it from here, wading, wading the Hudson like a man wading through a brook. A bulletin is handed me. Martian cylinders are falling all over the country. One outside of Buffalo, I gotta, one in I gotta say, if people didn't, if, if, I, I, I gotta say, if people didn't turn on the radio at the beginning 
at, at the announcement that, you know, here's this radio theater uh, and just turned it on, I, I'd probably freak out, too, because that's so well done. It sounds so real. I mean, I've heard I've heard the whole broadcast, and I can kind of understand people freaking out. I really can't. I really can't. Um, they made a TV movie out of it. I remember watching it in the 70s. Um, I think that it was called like the night the world panicked or something like that. It was a TV movie. It was not like an ABC TV movie. But I remember watching it. And because, um, of course, I was fascinated by this story because, you know, it's a genre that I love. And I became a huge fan of Orson Welles when I was a kid. I saw Citizen Kane. I saw Citizen Kane at a very young age. <laughs> so I, think, I think I was like nine or ten when I first saw Citizen Kane. <laughs> and I loved it. Like a nine-year-old kid loving Citizen Kane. I was a weird kid. I'm still weird. But, yeah. All right. Uh, let's break here. We'll come back. We've got more uh, classic radio broadcasts to talk about. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. It's Friday morning. That means the regular Friday features will be coming up after 3. Fly Jams Friday, straight out of context. Nick D. Show Spies and you big dummy. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Right here on WGN. We're talking about historic radio broadcasts. Uh, And uh, we'll listen to uh, a little audio from some of them as well. Uh, the next one here, Einstein, E equals MC squared. Albert Einstein was a great physicist born in Germany in 1879. In uh, the recording, Einstein discusses his relativity theory, probably his most famous work. Einstein started out as a child with speech difficulties and was considered by many to be a dullard. Little did they know the impact that he would have on the future of science. Um, yes. Uh, another historic radio broadcast uh winston churchill this is legendary um as well as being prime minister of great britain winston churchill was a master orator and uh an author of many books including a four volume the four volume history of english speaking peoples he is most famous for his wartime speeches during the second world war perhaps the most well-known of these is the speech recorded and broadcast on June 4th, 1940. Um, and uh, so we have a little bit of Winston Churchill, Tom. We have a little bit of Winston Churchill. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it was subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, 
would carry on the struggle until in God's good time the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the Am I nuts or did Iron Maiden use that at the beginning of a song? Because <laughs> I think he did. Um, somebody might know. I think Iron Maiden used it. I think it was Run to the Hills. I think it was a song, Run to the Hills. And I, I, I don't remember. But for some reason, I'm thinking that Iron Maiden used a little bit of the Winston Churchill audio at the beginning of one of their songs. Maybe somebody knows. Uh, here's Rich on WGN. Go ahead, Rich. Hi, Nick. How you doing this morning? All right. I have a, a, a little bit of an obscure one. I was telling Tom, hopefully you can find it um, quickly on YouTube. Um, there was a, does the name Tom Dooley ring a bell, radio? Um, he was a DJ on, um, yeah. in, I think, Louisville, and he ran, he played Rock the Boat by the Hughes Corporation, and he already pre-decided he was going to quit on the air, and as Rock the Boat ended, he, he went into a rant about Nixon being guilty of conspiring to kill Kennedy, and he was um, guilty of high crimes and misdemeanors. This is right around the time of Watergate and stuff. And he, he like, repeated it twice because he, he, he knew people wouldn't believe. If you didn't believe what I just heard, let me say it again, and he said it again. <laughs> and it's, it, you're, you're listening to it going, what? But, it, yeah, it's pretty classic. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. Tom? yeah, you could probably find it on YouTube, I imagine. It's it's a pretty funny short little soundbite. All right, Tom, were you able to find uh, he's looking for it? Okay, he's looking for it. All right, Rich, thanks. All right, you bet. Bye-bye. Right. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Here's uh, Doc on WGNA. Doc? Hey, man. Uh, I thought you were stealing my thunder on that Churchill speech. Uh, I graduated from Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri, and another of Churchill's famous speeches was called the Sinews of Peace, but it's more commonly referred to as the Iron Curtain speech, March 5th, 1946. And it's the first time uh, the term Iron Curtain was ever used. Oh, and wow. he said, from, from the Stettin and the Baltic to Trieste and the Adriatic, an Iron Curtain has descended across the continent. And he was referring to Soviet intervention in Europe. And then an interesting side note is that Churchill took a train from Washington, D.C. to the middle of Missouri to deliver that speech. Wow, okay. And I, there's also, I don't remember the exact facts, but I think they uh, they took the train past Fulton down to Jeff City so they could get booze because Fulton was a dry county then. <laughs> so the Churchill could have some booze and then made it back to Fulton. <laughs> of course they did. Oh, man. All right, Doc. Thanks, buddy. That, that's what really put that, that town on the map. Yeah. And then they also have uh, a Churchill Memorial, a museum, and it's in the basement of a church called St. Mary's Church of Alderbury, which was, like, built in the 1200s. Then it was rebuilt by Christopher Wren in the 1700s, and it was bombed out in World War II, and they brought all the remains over and assembled it on the campus. Wow. So... Big tourist trap for that, that church. All right. Okay, Doc, thanks. Okay. Take care, buddy. Um, some of the other uh, historic radio broadcasts that we've been uh, talking about here include uh, Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream. The I Have a Dream speech is probably King's most famous speech given in front of the Lincoln Memorial during the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. 
in the speech, he speaks of uh, his dream for blacks and whites to live together in harmony as equals. The speech marked the defining moment for the American civil rights movement. Do we have some of that? I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. Yeah. Classic. Legendary stuff. Uh, here's Mel on WGN. Hi, Mel. Nick, Nick. Okay, tribute to, of course, uh, Sir Winston Churchill uh, ties in with uh, Led Zeppelin way, way in the beginning. Might have been on the first uh, album, but uh, w- one of the tracks, if you will, was called Black Dog, which I know you know about. Yeah, it's That's the, the fourth, fourth album. album. Okay, well, Black Dog was a key uh, term that uh, was used or given to Sir Winston, or that he used, because he had uh, he had depression problems, and and uh, Black Dog was just that thing where where he suffered all through that period of time with depression. And back in that day, believe me, you don't tell anybody about anything about any uh, problems that you have, especially during wartime. And this was all kept inside, and and uh, you know he he was given or that all came out later on with the uh, term black dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so I just wanted to chime in a, a feather to uh, Sir Winston in that area. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mel. Sure, pleasure. All right. Um, Adolf Hitler's declaration of war. Hitler came to power in Germany during the period of confusion which followed World War One and became very popular through the use of propaganda appealing to the lower and middle classes. He sparked off World War II when he invaded Poland. On the recording of a, of a broadcast of Adolf Hitler declaring war on Poland, we shall meet bomb with bomb, the American reporter translate as he goes. Most interestingly, the reporters interrupted twice to announce that the governments of France and Great Britain were summoning emergency councils. Do we have a little of that? Um, no, we don't. Okay. All right. We have a few more, uh, classic historic radio broadcasts, uh, that we're going to talk about. And if you want to jump in, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200. And we will continue with some historic broadcasts. Uh, our regular Friday features are coming up straight out of context. Nick D show spies, you big dummy all after, uh, three o'clock. And uh, we've got more coming up. Oh, and, and classic uh, Johnny Carson. We love to play classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV. And uh, tonight we will have uh, Dick uh, 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 Ron uh, Don Rickles. So, <laughs> what? Whoa! I don't know what happened there. Um, Dick Ronkles. Rick who? So, uh, and that's at 2.30. We always play a classic uh, uh, Johnny Carson. You can't go wrong 
with Don Rickles. He killed every time he was on that show. One of the funniest guys that ever lived. So we'll hear a little uh, Don Rickles from the classic Johnny Carson. That's coming up at 2.30. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We'll get back to talking about some more historic radio broadcasts right here on uh, WGN. Uh, now it's time for the news. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio. Here till 4. Um, after 3 o'clock, our regular Friday features will begin, because it is Friday. You big dummy, straight out of context, Nick D show spies, and Fly Jams Friday. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We're going to talk about the, the Taco Bell quarterly uh, literary magazine that exists, and then some uh, very weird fast food merchandise. Uh, classic Johnny Carson every weekday morning at two 30. You can watch Johnny Carson on antenna TV every night and, uh, Don Rickles. I mean, what, 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 what can you say about Rickles? So right now we're talking about some classic, uh, historic radio broadcasts. And, uh, the next one here that they mentioned in the article, if you want to jump in, we'd love to hear from you at 312-981-7200 on the team Hochberg phone line. Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi uh, was a major political and spiritual leader in of India and the Indian independence movement. He founded the concept of Satragraha, which is uh, causing change through civil disobedience. This is Gandhi's, uh, he had a famous soldier of peace speech. He was not without his share of controversy, particularly in a comment that he asked uh, about the situation in Palestine. Palestine belongs to the Arabs in the same sense that the England belongs to to the English. French belong, France belongs to the French, and it's wrong and inhuman to impose the Jews on the Arabs. So he, he was controversial as well. But that's one of the more um, classic pieces of uh, radio broadcast uh, of all time. Do we have a little of uh, Gandhi? The value of discipline and truth. Je sais très bien la valeur de la discipline et de la vérité. I must ask you to believe me when I say that I have never made a statement of this description that the masses of India, if it became necessary, would resort to violence. En attendant, laissez-moi vous dire que je n'ai jamais dit que les masses de l'Inde, si c'était nécessaire, I regard myself as incapable in my lucid moments of having, uh, of making a statement of this character. It is complete independence that we want. There you go, Gandhi. Uh, historic radio broadcasts uh, is what we're talking about here and listening to a few of them. Here's uh, Big Ed. Go ahead, Ed. Hey, Nick. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I mentioned to Tom, you remember Lyndon Johnson when he uh, addressed the nation and said that uh, if nominated, he would not run. I, would not I, can't, I can't hear Ed. We always, we always have issues with Big Ed's phone. 
So, uh, sorry, Ed. I can't hear you. You're not coming across, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, let's see. We've got JFK next. Uh, uh, John F. Kennedy was the U.S. president from 61 to 63 when he was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. During his time as president, the U.S. installed nuclear facilities in Turkey, which were within range um, of parts of Russia. In retaliation, the Soviet government began installing nuclear facilities in Cuba, uh, which put the U.S. in direct threat. President Kennedy warned that if uh, they were not removed, they would possibly invade Cuba and that it would be seen as a direct act of aggression that might lead to nuclear retaliation on the part of the U.S. In the speech... JFK describes the situation and mentions the threat of nuclear war. The crisis too was averted when both sides agreed to dismantle their installations. I can't imagine how insanely intense that was. This was before I was born, but I just I can't imagine how frightening it must have been. How freaked out people were. Do we have a little uh, Kennedy here? Good evening, my fellow citizens. This government, as promised, has maintained the closest surveillance of the Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. Within the past week, unmistakable evidence has established the fact that a series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on that imprisoned island. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. Upon receiving the first preliminary hard information of this nature, last Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., I directed that our surveillance be stepped up. And having now confirmed and completed our evaluation of the evidence and our decision on a course of action, this government feels obliged to report this new crisis to you in fullest detail. People must have been, you know, people must have been freaking out. Yeah. Did you ever have to do the the nuclear training stuff or like the, like in schools where you'd hide underneath the desk? Oh, no, I'm not. No, no not. It didn't. I, I wasn't sure how long that continued. I know that no, was really big. No, in the no, no. That was in 40s, the 50s. In the, 40s in the, and 50s? 50s especially. 50s? Yeah, 50s especially. No, I was born in 65. So by the time I got to right. school, it was, it was the 70s by the time I got to school. Yeah, so that kind of stuff had subsided. No, Watergate was the deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got. That I was the say, hot button topic. The, the, you know, if you go, but do you remember the first. So this is a fun topic, too. We can jump into this, maybe, uh, open up some phone lines here. Do you remember the first big news story that you that you first uh, remember? What was it? That was 9-11. Oh, no, of course it was. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right smack in that generation. I'm really right cor- smack in that generation. Of course it was. How old were you? Um, I would have been just turned seven, I think, that, that, that previous that, November. That makes sense. And the thing was is that I was not in the U.S. Where were you? I was in Singapore. Uh, what was it like to be in Singapore during? I mean, you were a kid, but yeah, I was. Um, you know, it was still, if I remember correctly, it was still nighttime in Singapore when they, you know, obviously, yeah, this was at yeah. eight o'clock in the morning, yeah, New yeah, York yeah, time, yeah. Um, so it was still nighttime, and I remember my mom came and woke me up, and she never woke me up. I always woke myself up for school because I just I was really good about that. I kept a kept an alarm clock next to my bed. And she came and woke me up, and I was like, what's going on? She said, um, you need to come into the living room. 
we need to i need to show you something mm. and uh we walked she walked me into the living room just me my two brothers were much too young to really grasp anything that was going on yeah. i suppose that so she let them sleep and she just said there's something bad happening in america right now right and it was just a, it was just a very odd thing to be watching it happen and not really processing sure like, what was it was like so this is what i was like there's a fire and she said not exactly not exactly that sort of thing so yeah. and really the aftermath was the oddest part because i was then escorted to school every single day by armed guards were um, you how long were you in singapore after that were you able to travel were you able um, to, we did yeah we we did uh we were able to go to like the uk for christmas and stuff like that that was kind of well our, by christmas know. time it was it was yeah, yeah. um uh, you know, it, the, the thing, the main things I remember is that everywhere was now all anything affiliated with American people, especially expats. Singapore has a ton of ex expatriates. Um, everything was guarded. There were yeah. there were what are called Gurkha guards who are Nepalese, but they are uh, with the they're trained by the British government, mm -hmm. and uh, they're these Nepalese soldiers that carry these giant knives on their back belt and it's these these big curved knives that any time they draw that knife it must draw blood so Jeez. so there better be someone coming at you or if you because that's just the discipline thing so if they were to accidentally draw that knife and not need it they would have to slice their own hand open as punishment because it, it must draw blood so there was that and i mean it just they uh our buses used to be red white and blue yeah they were painted yellow the, like the next day. Yeah. Immediately painted yellow. I uh, The first news story that I remember, I mean, I have little glimpses of memories of, of Vietnam because it was, you know, it was, it was televised a yeah. lot. So I have images of that. But the first big news story that I remember is Watergate. That's the first one because the Watergate hearings were on every day on TV. Nonstop. That was the, that was the first big... Um, story that I remember. It's always interesting to see what, you know, I mean, obviously you can tell how old somebody is by what story they remember. Yeah. What their first news that'll, story that'll was. That'll date you. Um, but let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I got a couple more of these radio broadcasts uh, to mention. And then I want to jump into that. What was the first big news story that you remember as a kid? So for me, it was Watergate. For Tom, it was 9-11. What about you? What was the, the first big news story that comes to mind? 312-981-7200. White Snake. <laughs> Tom's leaving. <laughs> Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio uh, overlooking beautiful downtown Chicago. Friday, all the regular Friday features straight out of context. That's where you listen to this radio station 24-7 as you should anyway because it's the best. Whenever anybody says something that you can pull out of context and it sounds a little dirty and it makes you giggle, you jot down the day, the time, who said it, and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. Same goes with Nick D. Show Spies. That's when you listen to this station 24-7. Whenever anybody mentions me or the show, we want to know about it. You become a spy. Jot down the day, the time, who said it, and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. We have You Big Dummy. It's where we read real news stories of real dumb people doing real dumb stuff. And then we vote on the biggest dummy. Tom votes, I vote, and then the first person through uh, 312-981-7200 votes. And fly jams Friday. 
where DJ Luscious Hushes will play all the greatest R&B and funky stuff to get your Friday going. Uh, we are talking uh, about some of the historic radio broadcasts, and also I'm going to segue into uh, what was the very first big news story that you remember. But uh, we got Hillary here. Hi, Hillary. Oh, hi, Nick. Hi. Uh, well, I was going to say, you know, it wasn't radio, but you know, I was, I was two, and uh, my mother. I was playing with my brother. I think it was 1964, the first time the Beatles were on at Sullivan. Uh, I was playing with my brother, and my mother lifted me up in the air and plopped me down in front of the TV in New Jersey. And the Beatles, I thought, oh, my goodness, wow, that is so cool. And, you know, then, you know, well, I'll speed it up. After that, um, the best, uh, also, it was TV, but Live Aid, uh, Philadelphia, I'm about 45 minutes out, uh, in London, you know, it was just it was. I was I had to work. I couldn't couldn't get down there, but it was wow, outstanding. You know, who wasn't there? It was outstanding, just incredible. But you know, I had all these little old ladies <laughs> on my side of the on my side of the hallway, and the nurse came in. She said, "You like rock and roll?" I said, "Yeah." She told me to turn it on. I thought, I can't get there, so. And she she was smiling. I thought, well, what the heck? But it was it was really good. Yeah, I had I had uh, I was the only I was the only uh, was the only guy in the in the in in my in my group of friends who had cable. I lived further south than my my friends, you know, northwest side, and my friends lived like between Addison and like Lawrence, like west of Central. And I lived at Grand, just west of Central. And cable started further south. They started installing cable further south. They didn't get up to where my buddies lived. So every one of my friends came over to watch Live Aid. Like the, the, my, my living room was packed with guys, and we were and we watched all of Live Aid. We watched the whole thing. And that was a memory that I have because nobody else had cable. And they're like, "We're all going over to Nick's house." See, the closest thing for me that would be like that is like when my buddy was the first guy to have Netflix instant streaming in 2007. <laughs> Jeez. Or the first kid to get on demand. We were like, whoa, you could just watch it? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I'm going to watch that Tom Hanks movie this weekend. It's got like Greyhound or Greyhound, Grey, yeah. yeah. Watch that. And it's, apparently on this, the bus? this uh, Charlize Theron movie is supposed to be unbelievable. I mean, and she's kicking butt again. Like, that's her thing now. Ever since Furiosa and then, of course, Atomic Blonde. All right, Hillary, thanks for the call. Uh, two more real quick radio broadcasts here. Lord Haw Haw. William Joyce, or Lord Haw Haw, as he was more well-known, was a fascist politician who worked for the Nazis during the war as a propagandist. Uh, he distinct His distinctly posh English accent is uh, the cause of him receiving his mocking nickname. Joyce broadcast propaganda from radio stations in Berlin, Hamburg, and Luxembourg. Whilst it is not illegal, was not illegal to listen to his broadcasts in England, it was frowned upon. Nevertheless, his recordings were very popular with the public as a source of amusement. He became a hated and ridiculed figure. He escaped after the war uh, 
But an English soldier overheard him talking at a cafe and recognized his voice. He was arrested and executed for treason. Do we have a little bit of uh, Lord Haw-Haw? The spirit of unity and the spirit of strength. Let me tell you that here we have a united people who are modest in their wishes. They are not imperialists. They don't want to take what doesn't belong to them. All they want is to live their own simple lives. Lord Haw Haw. I've never heard of this guy before. Have you ever heard of this guy? I honestly haven't. He no. seems like he's kind of like uh, what was her name? Was it Hanoi Hannah? Yeah, that was the, I think the one so. in Vietnam, Hanoi Hannah. One of those people. And then Sylvia Plath, born in 1932. Sylvia Plath is one of the greatest female American writers of all time. In the recording, she reads her most favorite poem, her most famous poem, "Daddy." Eerily, within a month of reading this, she had committed suicide. Her life was racked with depression and attempts to kill herself. Uh, Plath had been married to Ted Hughes, whose second wife also killed herself and their children. Jeez. Um, and uh, at the time, the U- he was a UK uh, poet laureate. Do we have a little of Sylvia Plath? You do not do, you do not do any more black shoe in which I have lived like a foot for 30 years, poor and white, barely daring to breathe or her chew. Daddy, I have had to kill you. You died before I had time, marble heavy, a bag full of God, ghastly statue with one gray toe, big as a Frisco seal, and a head in the freakish Atlantic, where it pours bean green over blue in the waters off beautiful Nosset. I used to pray to recover you. God, that's beautiful. I know I'm stating the obvious, but yeah, that's beautiful. So, All right, there's some uh, great radio broadcasts right there that we've been talking about, historic. And uh, now we're going to, I want to talk about uh, the first big news story that you remember when you were a kid. What was the first big news story that came to you that that you remember? 312-981-7200. Um, uh, again, like I said, for me, it was Watergate. I have a little bit of blurry memories about Vietnam, but it was Watergate was the first one for me. And for, uh, for Tom, my producer, it was uh, 9-11. So let's take a break, and uh, we'll go right to the phones and talk to you guys about what um, uh, was the first big news story that, uh, that comes to mind that you remember. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Right. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN and uh, live in the Skyline studio here until uh, 4 a.m. It is Friday. That means all the regular Friday features will uh, happen after three. Straight out of context, Nick D. Show spies you, big dummy, and fly jams Friday. 312-981-7200. We'd love to talk to you, so call us up. 312-981-7200. Uh, talking about what was the first big news story that you remember 
you know, as being a kid? What was the first one? Like I said, for me, it was Watergate. For Tom, it was 9-11. What about you? 312-981-7200. Here's Eric on WGN. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, Nick. Do you remember Pan Am Flight 103? Uh, you gotta, I, I, I do not. I want to say that was 85. Let's see, I was born 1980. This was the plane when there were no survivors. And I forget where they were going, but they crashed, I want to say, in the water, maybe. Okay. So I had to be at least maybe five. The only reason why I remember this is because they interrupted all of the cartoons because it happened at night. Okay. So, yeah, I think for me it would have been Pan Am Flight 103. Okay. I don't some for some reason I don't remember that and uh, and I would have been twenty when that happened and for some reason I don't remember it. All right, Eric, okay. thanks. All right, all right, take care. Uh, let's see. Here is um, Mel on WGN. Hi, Mel. Yeah, hi there, Nick. Again, uh, what I personally remember and what was involved in, you know, when you're a kid in grammar school, you stand there for the Pledge of Allegiance, put your hand over your heart, and you look at the flag. And you swear allegiance when you were just great, and you know I still feel the same way now. Uh, going back to say 1952-1953, uh, to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible. Now until about maybe 53-54, maybe eight nine years old, that's when they added one nation under God. But before that, it was one nation indivisible. So. I stood up in class one time, and, you know, they corrected or they had mentioned that, or, you know, you follow along with the teacher. So you pretty much repeat after what she's saying. And then, you know, I noticed the change back then because, you know, that was under, one nation under God was added on. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So so I remember that, uh, you know, all this period of time. And, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to bring that out in that sense. In that case, in terms of, uh, you know, events that I was personally involved in, you yeah. know. Okay. All right, Mel, thanks. So then we just kept it on all these years and years. Right. Okay, Mel, pleasure, thanks. Yeah. Take care. Uh, I didn't know that that was added later. Wasn't aware of that. We used to have to do that, too, Pledge of Allegiance. When you were a kid, did you have to uh, stand yeah. up and do the Pledge of Allegiance? Yeah, that was that was a thing when I was in Kids school. still do that? Oh, God. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, because now um, my brothers are done with... Regular, you know, uh, K through twelve, they've been done for a while now. I never, I never really thought about it. I can't remember. I mean, the last time I would have had to do it was two thousand twelve when I was still in high school. We didn't. I don't think we did it in high school. Yeah, I, in grade school for sure. Grade school for sure, absolutely. Till till through eighth grade, but I don't think when I went to Luther mm-hmm. North, I, you know, I don't think we we. I don't remember whether we did it. I think it was an option. They did. They would do that in the mornings for because we still had the morning announcements and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we had morning announcements. And I think yeah. I think there was a peer you could. I think they would do it, but it wasn't expected necessarily. Yeah, I, I don't think we did it Luther North. I know that we had morning announcements. We had morning prayer because it was a Lutheran school. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, but I don't think that we had to do the. Yeah. It's God. I haven't thought about it in years now, because yeah. you get to college and they're not uh, you're not doing their pledge of pledge of allegiance in the morning. We did it every morning when I was in grade school. Uh, oh from, yeah, from kindergarten all the way through. Eighth that grade. that I can say for certain. Yeah.
So, uh, 312-981-7200. Here's Patrick on WGN. Go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, Dick. Um, I remember when I was in eighth grade, I was working for my dad. I was like an errand boy. And I had to go out and deliver something for him. And coming back, I get to the corner of Jackson and displays, and this guy's yelling out, extra, extra, read all about it. So I grab the paper, and it says uh, eight nurses slain, and it wound up to be Richard Speck. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty uh, pretty bad for that time. Yeah, yeah, for any time, for any time. Yeah, for any time. Yeah. yeah. All right, Patrick, thanks. Thanks. Remembering Richard Speck, that was your first one. That's kind of scary. Uh, let's see. 312-981-7200. What was the big news story that you first remember? Here's uh, Jill on WGN. Hi, Jill. Hi. Hi. You know, Pan Am Flight 103, it was the one that blew up over Lockerbie, Scotland. Oh, okay. I, I still have a very fuzzy memory about it. Yeah, it, it was like it took off and it went kablooey. Um, and it was a terrorist thing or something. Um, for me, it was... Um, Three Mile Island. Oh yeah, I remember Three Mile Island. And I just remember being a, being a kid. I didn't know what Watergate was either, but like for you know, so I was like way beyond me. But I remember when Three Mile Island happened. And Three Mile Island happened in uh, 1978. Oh, okay. So that's when it I happened. was like six. Yeah. And um, I just remember uh, that like. It, it it was just kind of a weird thing because it affected so many people right there. And then, you know, that's when they really didn't know as much about nuclear energy as they do now. You right, know, it was right. It interesting. Right. Okay, thanks, Jill. Okay. Take care. You know, it's, what's uh, amazing is, uh, the amazing coincidence is that um, the China Syndrome, the Jane Fonda, Michael Douglas, Jack Lemmon movie about uh, uh, a nuclear... Um, a uh, near meltdown accident at a plant came out a week before Three Mile Island or two weeks before Three Mile Island uh, happened in real life. And the box office for that movie tripled because of Three Mile Island. The The timing of the release of The China Syndrome was very, very weird. I remember when it came out. I mean, it's a great movie. I love The China Syndrome. I love that movie. It's a great movie and was popular nonetheless, but when, when the accident happened at Three Mile Island, uh, the timing was very good for, for the release of that movie. Uh, I just remember it made a ton of money after the, after the accident. So, uh, 312-981-7200. What was the, uh, the first big news story that you remember? Here's Mary on WGN. Hi, Mary. Hello. Hi. Uh, yes, it was uh, when I was nine years old, and we were having dinner together with uh, my aunt and uncle, my cousins, my mom and dad, and my brother. I don't know what radio program was on, but we all listened to the radio, and it was interrupted. It was December 7th. Ah, there you go. That's mm -hmm. a, Yep, that's a big one. That and I'm the one. only one here to talk about it now. Yeah. All right, Mary, thank you. that part of my family. Okay, thank you, Mary. Have a good night. All I right. enjoy your show. Thank you. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, we got some lines open if you want to jump in. What was the first big news story that you remember when you were a kid? Here's Sheila on WGN. Hi, Sheila. Hi, Nick. Um, the first big one was actually probably two. Bruce Lee died. I remember that one. And also that Star Wars, that was a happy one. Star Wars was the film of the year, whatever, and it just blew all the box, you know. nineteen. That box. was 1977 when Star Wars okay. came out. 1977. Yeah. Bruce, so, yeah, Bruce, Lee, Bruce Lee died in like 74, I think, or 75. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been Bruce Lee first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that All right. Thank you, Sheila. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Bruce Lee. I remember when Bruce Lee died. I was a kid, obviously, but, you know, uh, the impact that Bruce Lee made in the short period of time when he made movies was an insane. And, you know, I saw all of his movies in the theater. And when he died, the impact was insane. And then I remember, because I've said this a million times on the show before, my dad used to take me to the movies every Sunday. We would go to the movies every Sunday. And we'd go down to the loop, and we'd see the movies at the big theaters that were down in the loop that uh, obviously aren't there anymore. Chicago Theater is the only one that's left. Um, and uh, they don't show movies at the Chicago Theater anymore. But we used to go down there, and I remember after Bruce Lee's death, like at least three of the grindhouse theaters in the downtown area would just show Bruce Lee movies, even if they weren't like new. They would just do like triple features of Bruce Lee movies, and they would be the theaters would be packed because everybody loved Bruce Lee so much. And in, in, in that time period in the early seventies, people loved Bruce Lee, and uh, you know his popularity. Even you know, I mean, he was hugely popular when he was alive, but it went through the roof when he passed away. And they would just show triple features of Bruce Lee movies on the big grindhouse screens. And people loved it. So. Uh, 312-981-7200. What was the first big news story that you remember when you were a kid? Uh, let's see. Here is uh, Tim on WGN. Hi, Tim. Oh, um, the uh, it was in uh, the 50s, and uh, I'm just trying to remember exactly the date, but... Uh, my dad uh, had a 52 Chevrolet. We bought a car every six years, so it must have been that year. And it was in the fall of the year. It was kind of dark, and it was uh, like uh, rainy and stuff like that, but it was cool, getting cool. And he took me to the barber shop because he had been working Saturdays and Sundays. And, we, you know, every time we go was after work during the week. And we went in there, and I uh, lived in Beloit, Wisconsin, and went in Joe and Kells and came out and uh, turned the radio on as we were going home, and it's a Gabriel Heater. And uh, he had the, the exclusive. Nobody else was going to hear it until the next day, but he saw the vaccine. It had just been announced that it worked. Mm. And, uh, and I was uh, one of the very first... To get the shots, I mean, all my friends, relatives, and whatever that were a year older, a lot of them got polio, but uh, I didn't because that was that, that was the year that you know. I mean, I I got my shot and I didn't get the disease. Right. And uh, it had a. I'm sure it was fifty two. It had to been that at least fifty two, right around there. And um, Jonas Salk, and uh, you know, at that time it was a big deal. 
you know, like you look in, in encyclopedias or something back then he was you know and every 10 years the encyclopedias change he becomes less and less important he, down to some guy that ran a uh center in uh, philadelphia you know a research place <laughs> that's all they say but uh any other uh, the other thing i could think of was about that year tv you know we didn't have one somehow we saw this and uh, uh um liberace flew into chicago's airfield from wherever he'd been and there's like three thousand women out there to meet his plane and they're all singing i love you truly wow okay all right, Tim. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. All right. Yeah, people love Liberace. What's not to love? All right. A uh, few lines are open if you want to jump in. 312-981-7200. What's the first big news story that you remember from being a kid? 312-981-7200. Get back to the conversation after this. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're going to talk about the Taco Bell Quarterly Literary Journal, which is real, and some weird fast food merchandise. Also at 2.30, we always play back some really classic Johnny Carson stuff. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV. Uh, We always play some comedy from it, uh, whether it's a a sketch or an interview or some stand-up. Don Rickles. That's all I'm going to say. Don Rickles. So... Uh, and after 3 o'clock, all the regular uh, Friday features will begin. 312-981-7200. Uh, the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. So we've been talking about remembering uh, what was the very first the first big uh, news story that you remember as a kid. Um, as I mentioned before, mine is Watergate. Uh, Tom's is 9-11. What about you? 312-981-7200. Here's Brian on WGN. Hi, Brian. Hi. Um, no contest uh, for me. Um, JFK assassination. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was the same age then as my grandson is now. I was about six years old. Mm-hmm. And I was a little, I don't know, nerdy, geeky in as far as news and politics. And uh, I was very interested in JFK and I knew who he was. I watched the news. I read, read newspapers a little bit. And, uh, my, I had all my brothers were way older than I was. And they, uh, they heard about it and they told me about it. And my first reaction was that I was, I was just mad. I was angry at them because I thought they were making fun of me. You know, and I said, you know, that's a, it's really a terrible joke. Um, and, uh, when I found out it was true, um, and, and I think, uh, it happened on a Friday. So, I mean, we were off that weekend, of course, from school. And I seem to think we had a couple of days out of school the next week. And, uh, I kept a scrapbook. I followed everything about it and uh read everything about it and it started an interest in 
that's when I became a news junkie. And uh, that's when I started being interested in politics. And I still am to this day. I'll be 63 this year. Okay. All right, Brian, thanks. The JFK assassination, that's a big one. You're never going to forget that, obviously. Uh, Let's say hi to Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, Nick, what's happening? Hey. I, too, remember a serial killer and a plane crash, but not the same ones mentioned before me. I definitely remember uh, Chandler Gacy when I was in grade school. That was pretty scary times. And uh, for some reason, Flight 181 just really sticks out of my head because I was at a doctor's appointment that day with my mom and saw this big plume of smoke miles up in the air, got home and turned on the TV to see what happened and found out it was a plane crash. And my dad was saying, why is everybody just standing around doing nothing? And my mom was like, well, there's no survivors. That's why. Mm. Kind of kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember those two. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Yes, sir. Thanks. 312-981-7200. Here's Sue on WGN. Hi, Sue. Hi. Good morning. Hi, Nick. Um, I just want to say, uh, yeah, 1981, I can't believe this, Charles and Diana, live wedding. Yeah, everybody watched it. And July 29th, I can't believe it's going to be 39 years this year. And I just want to say, I was just so excited. I was in eighth grade, my sister was in high school, and and our mom woke us up. My sister just wanted to go back to bed. I was just so excited to see this event live on TV with the whole world and that was that was a great memory at the time. Yeah. I slept through it. <laughs> oh, okay, well there. <laughs> I slept through it. I don't care about the Royals. It's okay. I, I just don't. But I understand. I mean everybody watched it. Everybody watched it. Uh, I remember it was, it was such cool a big deal. to see it live with Whatever yeah. it meant to me, you know, live with the whole world, like I said. Yeah, yeah. well, they just did it. So. Uh, when did uh, the Prince get married? He got married, was it two years ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When right? he got, yeah. Yeah, that was that was, that was was on at 5 o'clock in the morning. Everybody was watching that. I watched that. that, too. Yeah, I know, I'm sure you did. Okay, Sue, thank you. Uh, okay, bye-bye. Take care. Uh, let's see. Where are we going? We're going to uh, Sarah on WGN. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Good morning, Nick. Um, I don't remember the JFK assassination. I was a little bit too young, but I do remember Bobby Kennedy's assassination. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about nine years old, and I I believe my mom, my sister, and I were in the car when we first heard the news over the radio, and um, just so much shock. My mother was a huge fan of the Kennedys, just loved, you know, how good-looking and glamorous they were, and... um, you know, to just have both brothers be killed like that was, was just devastating. I know it's 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 crazy. The whole you know, I mean, and then JFK Jr. in a plane crash. I mean, there's just been so much tragedy within that entire family. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, and so. and I just remember you know watching a, a special, you know, um, and and seeing a shot of him running along the beach, and I just burst into tears. I yeah. was just. It, and, and and also, you know, the Vietnam War was going on, and sure. there were anti-war protests, and yep. there was so much optimism with his presidential campaign, you know, that things were going to change, and I don't know, it was, yeah, it was hard. No, it's devastating. Um, I, I, told, I mean, I wasn't, I was, it was before I was born, but, you know, uh, you know, just looking back historically, uh, you know, what a devastating moment that was for the world, and especially for this country. 
Um, yeah, so. yeah. And then um, well, another one I remember vaguely because it was a few years before, and um, you know, I was maybe only about seven or six at the time. I uh, was the Valerie Percy murder. That I, one was, you know, it, that was terrifying because it's there. I don't think it's ever been solved, and. Yeah, it was a home invasion, and she was brutally beaten to death, Charles Percy, Senator Charles Percy's daughter. And um, it just, you know, scared the bejesus out of everybody, you know? Okay, thanks, Sarah. Okay, thank you. Take care. Um, Here's Barbara on WGN. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Nick. Hi. Um, What I remember is I was about seven or eight, it was about 1958, and it was the Our Lady of the Angels Catholic School Fire. Oh, was, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I about, mean, I, the kids were just about to be dismissed. Yeah. And there was a sudden fire, and they nobody could figure out how to get out of the school fast enough. Yeah. So 92 kids were killed, and uh, I think a few of the non-teachers. Right. Right. I mean, obviously, it, it was before my time, but I, I, I've, I've certainly read about it and know about it, yeah. Well, it was horrible. Everyone, and everywhere you went, people were talking about it, and it was just such a tragedy. My mother was crying a lot about it. Yeah. It was on the TV all the, you know, the whole day and the day after sure. the day after. Sure. And what happened after that fire, I think, is when Chicago instituted the fire drills for all schools. Right. Because they, they never did fire drills, and these kids... They could have gotten out, but because it wasn't organized, it, they never, you know, not all of them got out. Right, right. And uh, I once ran into the son of one of the survivors, and he told me that the survivors would have a reunion every year at that date of that fire. Mm-hmm. The survivors of, you know, the kids. Yeah. And every, um, so that was interesting that yeah. they did that. Okay, Barbara, thank you. Know left. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, bye. All right, take care. Uh, here's Patrick on W. Django. Hi, Patrick. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of weird. I was telling your director. Um, so my first recollection of news was John Wayne Gacy, um, you know, getting busted and the clown and them pulling bodies. Again, I was seven or eight years old, like the last yeah. person. Yeah, 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 She was a little older than me, but the first memory, seven, eight years old, right? And um, flash. Forward 20 years from that, I dated a, a girl that's uncle was one of the guys that was on the news channels pulling bodies out of the crawl space. And then flash forward to 10 years from that, I married a girl whose father was a displaced officer who had dealt with Gacy like five, six different times because everybody be, doesn't remember, but before he got busted, he was a, a, a guy that everybody liked. He was a guy in the community, you know, kind of like the BK, BTK or killer or whatever the guy was. You know, nobody suspected Gacy of doing right. it. Right, and, and that was weird. But And then the next story after that was the Tylenol murders was one block away from my house where a father died from taking Tylenol that was poisoned at the jewels. And then they had the funeral and the wake and two of the people in the family took the Tylenol also and died at the wake at the house, a block away from my house. And then the DC 10 that crashed. And as a kid didn't realize 
you know, human lives were being lost. All I knew is that my buddies were saying, dude, you know, see that cloud of smoke over there? And it looked like literally, again, the only thing I've ever seen right. resembling a mushroom cloud right. from the atom bomb. And it was right. like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, oh, we climbed a tree like 30 feet up in the air. Uh, all right, Patrick, I got to go. I got the news. I love you, brother. Okay, take care. All right. Um, so those are some news stories that everybody remembers. So uh, when uh, we get back from the uh, news, we're going to talk about the uh, quarterly uh, Taco Bell Literary Journal <laughs> and some other stuff, too. Uh, let's get to the news. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio, here till 4 o'clock as we are every weekday night into the morning. 4 o'clock we head over to Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN, to get some news and information from uh, that great group, and then the legendary Bob Surratt at 5 a.m. for your morning drive. And WGN is here 24-7 for you, to keep you informed, to keep you entertained, and to keep you getting through this. So, uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We uh, have our uh, Carson Comedy Classics that we play at 2.30. And we do that every morning. We'll play some stand-up or a sketch or an interview. This morning, from the Carson uh, Classic, is uh, it's, it's just basically Don Rickles. That's all you need to know. Don Rickles. So, uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. So we're going to be talking about some uh, weird uh, fast food chain merchandise. And if you've uh, ever gotten anything weird from a fast food place, or if you've uh, got something strange like in a Happy Meal, uh, give us a call, 312-981-7200. Phone lines are open, 312-981-7200. So um, (laughs) uh, in August of 2019, writer and editor Grand Supreme... M.M. Kerrigan launched the first edition of a free online literary journal called the Taco Bell Quarterly. Um, It wasn't a publicity stunt. In fact, it wasn't affiliated with the fast food chain at all, but rather a quality collection of Taco Bell-themed literary musings that ran the gamut from satirical to totally serious. Is this still online, Tom? Taco Bell Quarterly? Yeah, it should be. It's a it's so it's it's Taco Bell themed literary musings. <laughs> Do people like Taco Bell that much? Honestly, yes. Yeah, people love Taco Bell. That was that was like a hangout when I was in high school. You go to Taco Bell and just loiter for like three hours. Yeah. Yeah, TacoBellQuarterly.org. So, what are some of the? Th- can you give us a? A, a bit of an example of something that you would find at Taco Bell Quarterly? Let's see. I'm uh, pulling up uh, something from Volume 1. 
Uh, let, me, let me give you some titles here. Let's oh, start with okay. some we'll titles. Okay, we'll start with some titles that Famous you can find. Famous titles. That you can find at uh, Taco Bell Quarterly. Yes, poetry. Yeah. The Shredded Chicken Quesarito. I've been afraid of changing, so I cried into a cheesy gordita crunch. <laughs> Taco Bell Romance. Seven Layers of Satisfaction. Wow. I think I, uh, I've seen that one before. Yeah. The United States of Taco Bell. Joy in a $5 box. I can see that one for sure. Uh, seven Layer Purgatory. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Uh, uh, gathering, uh, three haikus on Baja Blast. (laughs) Hold on, let me, uh, that's there's, there's, I mean, it starts out with, uh, fiction. Uh, here's, uh, let's see, let's see, there's, there's a lot of good stuff here, including blackout poems. Blackout poems. Yeah, where you uh you take it's not written when you're blacked out, but um you take uh pre existing stuff and then you pick certain words out oh, of to the black them out. Yeah. Yeah. Like a redacted kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Here's here's Road Trip Love. Road Trip Love by Kyla Hubolt. This is all available at Taco Bell Quarterly. Yeah. Dot org? Dot org. How does, how does that happen? Hell, I wish I knew. <laughs> here we go. Road, road Trip Love. Actually, uh, let me see here if I can get uh, some some uh, <laughs> poetry music. All right. For uh, Road Trip Love. I wonder if you can subscribe to this. Subscribe to Taco Bell Quarterly. Here we go. All right. Road Trip Love from Taco Bell Quarterly, Volume 1. Oh, let me be your taco and let me be your bell. See how I flow with hot sauce, my meat a mystery, my shell. So thin and crisp it breaks at your tongue's caress. The bell will ring when the rattlesnake fries, when bright cheese drizzles hot. And all shall be stuffed with such goodness as appetite may conjure in a plastic menu's surprise. Oh, you jalapeno of mouthfeel, glad luncher of all my days, come to this dear stopping place for rest of your traveling ways, where you shall be fed something. Come, my cholesterol darling, my weary heart of the road, drive on, drive in, be hungry. Give in to the nacho spell, for I will be your taco. And I will be your bell. Wow. That was actually pretty erotic. That's pretty amazing. All available at Taco Bell Quarterly. (laughs) Says here, according to Food and Wine, about 1,500 people downloaded the first issue, and viewership grew to 40,000 for the second issue, which was released in February of 2020. The Quarterly is gearing up to launch a volume three in September, and it promises the most zeitgeisty edition yet. Volume three will be very much informed by the state of the world. The pieces we are gravitating toward are foreboding, existing uh, on the precipice of an uh, alternate history in which we have prevented the pandemic. People think we're a joke. 
<laughs> oh, wow, that makes me feel bad. But this issue proves that we're not. Writers are taking chances in writing in our magazine. And I don't think the literary world has seen it in a long time. We're writing with radical sincerity. Capturing the cultural atmosphere of this year through Taco Bell-related poems, essays, and short stories might seem like a tall order, but the quarterly is no stranger to tackling tough pop topics. While some early pieces are silly and upbeat, um, like a poem called Ode to Nacho Fries, Others use Taco Bell as a backdrop for deeper musings about homelessness, suburban dread, poverty, and American identity, and so much more. Kerrigan chose Taco Bell as the journal's unifying thread because, put it plainly, it was the first idea that popped into her head. As interest in Taco Bell quarterly grew, Taco Bell itself began to take notice, and Kerrigan says the company has sent the team hundreds of dollars worth of free tacos. Oh, man, in an unofficial thank you for all of the free advertising. She distributes them to writers whose work has been rejected by other literary magazines. Jeez, I'd like to get a bunch of tacos sent to me from Taco Bell. What do I got to do for that? I don't know. You got to chill out for them, I guess. Right? Start a quarterly literary magazine. Yeah, there you go. How about that? Um, so we got fast food chains that have weird merch, some of the weirdest fast food products. And, and uh, here's another, uh, here's a quick one. What's your, what's your, Tom, do you have a favorite fast food item? Favorite fast food item? Yes. Five piece, spicy, tenders, Popeyes. Popeyes, five piece, spicy tenders. Unbeatable. That's what you're going with. Yeah. Baconator in a close second. Oh, the Baconator. Yeah. In case you want to. You want to test your cholesterol. Do you have a fast food item that you love? 312-981-7200. We're going to talk about some weird products that fast food places are making. And in addition to that, I want to hear from you. What is your favorite, very favorite fast food item? 312-981-7200. You can admit it. Every once in a while we eat fast food. Everybody's got a favorite. 312-981-7200. Favorite fast food item and then weird fast food uh, products. Coming up right here on 720 WGN. These eyes cry every night for you. These arms long to hold you again. Yeah. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and we are uh, live in the Skyline studio. We're here until uh, 4, and uh, and uh, there you go. It's Friday, so after 3 o'clock, all the regular Friday features will happen. Straight out of context, Nick D. Show spies, you big dummy, and fly jam Friday. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, we got classic uh, Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV. Um, we got Don Rickles featured this morning, so you know it's going to be funny. <laughs> um, what is your favorite fast food item? 312-981-7200. And I've got some very weird products that fast food chains are um, making and putting out. Um, but what is your favorite fast food item? 312-981-7200. I'm, I'm torn here. The first thing that popped into my head was the Arby's beef and cheddar. That was the first thing that popped into my head. The Arby's beef and cheddar is is a fantastic sandwich. But I love sliders. 
and sliders are right up there. But I think I got to go with I got to go with the beef and cheddar. It's the best. I think it's the best fast food sandwich. Big fan of uh, meat from a tube. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care what it is. <laughs> Rod Pyle, our space expert, has seen. He's seen behind the scenes. Yeah, he worked at Arby's. He worked at the Arby's. Yep. Doesn't sound great. He he referred to it as a loaf of meat. <laughs> That's what he referred. I don't care. I don't care where it comes from. Get the meat I don't tube. care. I I love I love the beef and cheddar. What is it about the beef and cheddar? Uh, the sauce, you know, it's got the great Arby's sauce on it. Is that now, is that different from the horsey? Cause I yes. know the horsey there's sauce Arby's is sauce. horseradish. Yes. There's Arby's sauce and there's is horsey sauce. Do you know what the Arby's sauce is? Is it its particular type of sauce? It's kind of a barbecue-y. Barbecue-y sort of thing? Yeah. Is it vinegar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can picture that. Um, and you combine it with the, when, when you get a regular beef, when you get a regular Arby's beef, you combine it with the horsey sauce and put them together on the, on the, on the mm-hmm. same sandwich. But uh, the beef and cheddar comes pre-sauced. When you get a regular, <laughs> when you get a regular, uh, you know, beef or a, you know Arby's Junior or whatever, it's plain. It's just beef on on a bun, and you put the sauce that you want on it. But the beef and cheddar is pre-sauced. It's like me showing up at a wedding. <laughs> yes, but the the one of the keys to the beef and cheddar. First of all, it's served on an onion roll. Okay, that okay. does sound pretty. Served good. Served on an onion roll. You got your, you got your, you, you got your pre Arby sauced sauce, <laughs> and the cheddar is the is the cheddar sauce. Okay, so it's not sliced cheese. It's, no, it's, it's a, like what you put on sauce. nachos. It's okay. it's that kind of thing. Okay, so yeah, I will. I'll say this: Arby's does a really good job of making their items look delicious in commercials. And they fluff those things. They certainly do. And they've got Ving Rhames. How do you argue with Ving Rhames? I generally don't. Uh, given no opportunities to argue with him. No. And uh, If Ving Rhames likes Arby's, he's the <laughs> voice of Arby's, you go to Arby's. But yeah, I think the beef and cheddar is my favorite. But, uh, you know, the classic slider, man. You can't. Sure. Sure. I mean, you can't argue with the classic slider. I'm going to say that even White Castle, um, they do these like chicken rings instead of. Oh, nuggets. they're good. Those are really good. They're, they're good. The chicken rings are good. Yeah. For for if I'm ordering from honestly anywhere at three o'clock in the morning, it's probably going to be White Castle. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, that's your that's pretty much your option. I think Just head <laughs> over to Addison and Elston, man. There you go. Those boys will take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. I always order too much, though. I'm always, my eyes are always bigger than my stomach when it comes I'll tell to White you, Castle. I'll tell you what. I remember the first time I saw um, Harold and Kumar. Harold and Kumar. <laughs> yeah. When they finally get to the White Castle, that scene, seriously, I was drooling you the first cra- time I saw the movie. You will crave White Castle Oh, for my years. God. I, you know, I remember watching that scene and going, oh, God. I have to leave now and go to White Castle. I need this castle. I have to go to White Castle. I bet their business went through the roof when that movie first came out. Just for that last scene when they're in the White Castle eating. I just, you know, every time I watch that movie, it's like, oh. Can I be real with you? I did not know what White Castle was until Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Get out of here. Dead serious? How is that possible? There's like one White Castle in Crystal Lake. I don't think it's even technically in Crystal Lake. I think it's in Lake in the Hills. Wow. White Castle's been part of my life always. (laughs) I mean, the one in Addison and Elston, I can't tell you the number of times that I was in that one. Then there was one near Devon and Clark. 
Yeah. When I lived in oh, Andersonville, yeah. I used to go to that one all the time when I lived in yep, Andersonville. Yep, 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 yep. That one in Andersonville, that's I think that's the one I uh that's that's the one that but, delivers to me. But no, Anderson yeah, I mean it, Addison and Elston, that's the that's the one. That's I mean the White that's Castle. That's the White Castle, Addison and Elston. And uh, Addison Kimball and Elston. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, it's a that's what it is. Good White Castle. Kedzie or Kimball? No, it's Kimball. It's definitely Kimball. So anyway, that's the one I grew up going to because I lived right on Addison. Yeah. So if we were going to go to White Castle, we'd just drive right down Addison, go to the White Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, the frequency of my visits to that White Castle uh, increased when the factory theater was located on Elston within walking distance. So I can't tell you the number of times I drunkenly left Chief O'Neill's <laughs> straight to the White Castle. They watch. They watch you stumble out. They're like, "Where's he going?" No, oh, I know exactly he's where he's going. going to the White Castle. The White Castle. Yeah. Trust me, he'll be back in about like five minutes. No, we would close. This was after Chief O'Neill. We would close Chief O'Neill. Oh, okay. So yeah. No, this was like before I would ju- took- before I would jump in a taxi and go home. Go home. Yeah. And I imagine you're getting in that taxi. You're stinking that thing up. Oh full yeah, of White man. Castle. Oh yeah. Did you have a cheeky burger on the way home? <laughs> Did you reach reach yeah. in? Come on. No. Not once. You weren't just like, well, let me just get a little. I get a little taste. Uh, have one like quick slider before you get home. No, I would just eat uh, at the. I'd eat at the White Castle and then I would jump. Oh, you'd cab. eat at the White Castle. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, man, yeah. Oh, I'd be, I'd be taking that to go. Oh no, 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 no! I go right to the table, man. <laughs> you, you pray at the altar. Oh yeah, <laughs> drunk in a White Castle at three o'clock in the morning. That was it was a frequent occurrence for me when I was a drinking man. Uh, so fast food chains are uh, selling some weird stuff. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, bizarre fast food products are everywhere. It's almost like every week one of the major brands unveils uh, the latest monstrosity that somehow combines burgers, pizza, chicken, cheese, donuts, and tacos into one disgusting but also weirdly tempting dish. But the fast food industry isn't just pushing the very definition of edible uh, what is edible to the limits? It's also redefining what merch looks like. Uh, so we've got some of the strangest fast food merch items that have crossed the radar here. From uh, fried chicken scented KFC bath bomb all the way to Burger King sex toys. What? So uh, we're going to go through some of this. And also the phone lines are open. Do you have a favorite fast food item? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Again, I got. I have to go with the uh, beef and cheddar. Arby's beef and cheddar. And you're going with what is it? The uh, spicy, just the tenders from uh, the Popeyes. Popeyes. Spicy though, got to be spicy. Spicy chicken tenders from Popeyes. Do you have a favorite fast food item? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. And of course, we're going to talk more weird products from fast food places. Here's Gene on WGN. Go ahead, Gene. Nick, love your show. I'm an insomniac, and I listen to it almost every night. I appreciate that. I totally agree with White Castles. It's a staple, especially after a night out with the girls having cocktails. Yep. But my favorite, hands down, is the Chipotle Bowl. Oh, the Chipotle Bowl. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I'm not saying it's not good. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Your number one is Whitey's, and I totally agree. I live in Berwyn, and Ogden and Harlem, the 24 hour White Castle is totally a staple. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thanks, Gene. You bet. Bye. All White Castles are 24 hours, right? Um, They're all 24 hours, right? I think generally speaking, yeah. There was one when I lived at... By this, po- by this point, yeah. When, when I lived with my folks at Grand and Central, there was one right on the other side of the bridge. It was a White Castle right on the other side of the bridge. Where, is that? Where was that? Where is that one? Is that, that, one? Is that one still there? Because there's the, you know, the Central... The Central Avenue Bridge that goes over Grand Avenue. Um, and then right on the other side of that bridge, a couple of blocks down the street, I think a few blocks down the street, there was a White Castle there, too. So I, I've lived near White Castle a lot. I mean, I grew up I grew up on Addison, <laughs> not far from the one at Elston. Yeah. Lived on uh, Grand and, like, Central. There was one right over the bridge. When I lived in Andersonville, there was one. The only time this is this is one of the, the only places that I've lived. There's only been a couple of places I've lived where not not near a White Castle. So, all right, uh, we got weird fast food uh, products, weird products that fast foods or fast food chains are making. And uh, uh, let's let's leave this out here. Uh, what is your favorite fast food item? No guilt. What's your favorite fast food item? 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. We're gonna break, and when we come back. Classic Johnny Carson that we do every weekday morning at 2.30. And this morning we're going to hear some Don Rickles. You know, it's great to see a mayor sit at the dais and tap dance while you're talking. (laughs) You don't see that too often. I mean, he was a wonderful guy. He really is. You know what I want to ask you about? Surely. That's the whole idea. We're not going to sit here and stare at each other's outfits. That's right. That is a cute outfit. As you get older, you start to go for the sports jacket and slacks. And as you get older, you start to go for those Mickey Mouse suits. What are you talking about? Now, this is the toy Johnny Carson outfits that are made in Buffalo for $2. (laughs) With the thin lapels and the cute little shirts. And in the back, he has a fake dickie and there's no outfit. No fly, no front, just a little... Underneath, he's wearing jeans and a dead cowboy suit. A dead cowboy suit? Yeah, well, they don't know. Don't try to say that. Never ask you what you mean. We're not going to make this a question and answer. That's Hit right. the buzzer and win two trips nah. to a luau. <laughs> That's now, you, you went to England and you entertained for the royal family? Shut up, Freddie. If you knew more than me, you'd be a guest. <laughs> anyway. Uh... You don't see him over here. No. Do you? I love that. Ever since he did Bozo, he's drunk with power. It's Bonzo. Bonzo. Here's your Bonzo. Bonzo this. Bonzo. Bozo. Bozo. It's the same darn thing. Bonzo. I don't follow apes. I don't. I'm a Jew. We own the whole zoo. What do you know from one little That's right. That's right. You went to England to entertain. Um, the royal family. Prince well, it Martin, wasn't. It wasn't exactly that way, John. Yeah. What happened was Bob Hope. Who is a personal friend of yours and mine. Certainly. Does, does he know you? Yes, he knows quite. <laughs> Probably saw you on one of the floats. <laughs> anyway, uh... <laughs> as you can see, I got the Doc Holiday disease. Yes. <laughs> Consumption there. Yeah, Vic Mature falling off the cab. Pow! <laughs> anyway, uh, so we went to London with Bob Newhart, who was great, because he takes care of the luggage and the passports. Give going, you can come into the country. Anyway, and that's in England, and they talk like that, because they're all from India. Welcome to our country. Anyway, uh, and they all got turbans on their head. Memsahib, welcome to our country. And, uh, and Margaret uh, Thatcher is on the corner going, don't talk like that. Anyway, and I give her a cookie, and she goes away. She's really But well, we had a wonderful time. We Tell went, us about it. We went to the ambassadors and had a few drinks, which you don't drink anymore, and no, you don't drink no. anymore. <laughs> May God give me a stroke if they don't drink. <laughs> 
anyway, so uh, we went to Le Ambassadors, and Bob had a scotch, and I had my few vodkas, and oh. we enjoyed. And then we did the gala. The opening night was the oh, gala. It was four it was. days of golf. My wife said, Barbara, darling, Barbara said to me, listen, we never get a chance. You never do these things. And you don't like those things. You don't like uh, no. golf competition. No. I know that. Or, or bowling. Ed goes to anything. A dead moose hangout. Anything, you know. <laughs> Two falcons in heat on a road, he shows up for you. <laughs> but uh, I don't usually do that. I, 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 I'm very self-conscious about that. And my golf, you know, I love to play golf. And I'm not too good at golf. You're terrible. Right. Good. You didn't have to zap it in that strongly, but I am terrible. I, but I love it. I, it's the whole idea. I'm not in competitive competition. Right. I book. So I got to the golf course, and uh, the punchline was 15,000 people are watching. We were up all night at the Ambassadors, a wonderful club in London, with John Hill, who was like the Sydney. Is it John Hill? John Mills. John Mills, sorry. And, I was, and he's like the Sydney Green Street. going, We're going to have the present. Under the duck. <laughs> and Bob Newhart, who's a wasp from the Middle West, kept saying, uh, 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 do you have a Pepsi? It's so much fun to go back and listen to those to those clips and then to watch it on Antenna TV. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I love the old Johnny Carson show. I love it. I used to watch it every night when I was a kid. So, and uh, we play back. Uh, highlights from the Johnny Carson show at 2.30 ish every weekday morning. So, hey, uh, coming up after three, it's Friday. So that also regular uh, Friday features begins with uh, you big dummy. That's where I read real news stories of real dumb people doing real dumb stuff. And then we vote on who's the biggest dummy. Tom votes. I vote. And then the first person through at 312-981-7200 will be our third vote. And then we got straight out of context. That's when you listen to this radio station 24-7. And whenever anybody at any time says something that you can pull out of context and it sounds a little dirty and it makes you giggle a little like a nine-year-old, you jot down the day, the time, who said it, and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. Same thing goes with Nick D. Show Spies. Listen 24-7 whenever anybody mentions me. Uh, we want to know about it. You jot down the day, the time, who said it, and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. And uh, we've got um, Fly Jams Friday. And uh, does uh, do you know, um, does Luscious Hushes have some requests already? He's got some requests. Right. And, uh, you know, this time I don't have to coax him with a Danish. Oh, no Danish this time. Yeah, because it's not Thursday. That's why you had to coax him with a Danish. Yeah, he doesn't do Thursdays usually. Yeah. He's more of a Friday guy. He is. Because that's where the fly jams come in. Exactamundo. All right. Uh, yeah, requests for fly jams, 312-981-7200. We'll play them back for you. Uh, coming up. Alright. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are uh, live in the uh, Skyline studio here until uh, 4 a.m. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. And after 3 o'clock, the regular Friday features begin. We're talking about fast food chains, and they have weird merchandise. And I'll tell you all about it, and also, what's your favorite fast food item? Let's go to Chris on WGN. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, how's it going? All right. Uh, Favorite item, 
probably not the most popular, but I'm going to go with Taco Bell's Mexican pizza. The Mexican pizza. Yeah, that's a good choice. From Taco Bell. That's what I like. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right. You guys have a good one. All right. You know, Taco Bell basically has every item that they have has the same ingredients. <laughs> just... they, they, they all include the uh, prefixes beefy and cheesy. Yeah. Sometimes seven layers. But, but they're all, you know, it's basically the same. You know, you're you're basically just having them prepared differently. I will say the Crunchwrap Supreme is unreal. I don't think I've ever had the Crunchwrap Supreme. Oh, really? It's yeah. like... Uh, you know, it's all the ingredients of a taco, but it's wrapped up in a quesadilla, in like a quesadilla that has a a, t- a tostada in the middle. Oh, you know, it's pretty good. Jeez, pretty good. That sounds like a lot. Uh, Robert on WGNA, Robert. Hey, morning, Nick. Uh, my go-to would be the uh, the extra large beef combo, sweet and hot, double dunk at Portillo's. And then you can also ask at Portillo's for extra crispy fries. Oh, all right. And that's 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 you know, you know. Now I I, I love it, but I can only go there about once a month because otherwise I'd go every day and I'd probably weigh five hundred pounds. Yeah, so. it's true. Okay, thanks, Robert. You take care, mate. Is it weird that I don't consider Portillo's fast food? Um, it's <sighs> oh well, they do have a drive-through. Yeah. And it's I, actually, actually one of the greatest operated drive-throughs in the war. The one down yeah. here, downtown. Yeah, one of the greatest drive-throughs of all time. It's really good, and I love that they rhyme everything with the with the number. That just that just the personal touch you don't get anywhere else. But yeah. it, I mean, that's a debate I've had with people before. Like, yeah. what is fast food? You know, what do we consider fast food? And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess Portillo's is fast. I don't know why I. I Maybe because the food's really good at Portillo's. <laughs> well, it's it's like Chipotle. Chipotle, I would not call necessarily fast food. Yeah. It falls into this new category that it kind of created called fast casual. Right. Like when I worked at Cheesy's, the grilled cheese place. Right. That was not fast food. That was fast casual because you were still, like we'd give you a number and stuff. You were expected to sit right. down. Right. But you could get it to go. Yeah. For me, if it doesn't have a drive through, it's not really fast food. Yeah, I guess. I mean well Portillo's has a drive through as we Yeah, so that's that would probably fall into the fast food category. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um all right, how about the um KFC's fried chicken sunscreen? This is real. Uh if you want to smell like uh, uh fried chicken, use this sunscreen. I don't understand how that would. I mean, look, I love the smell of. I love the smell of KFC. There's no, there's no question about it. When I lived in Andersonville, I lived a few blocks away from a KFC, and I could walk a block. It was right. And it was in the same. It was in the same parking lot as Jewel. So there was a there was a KFC and then the Jewels. Um, and if you walked a block towards it, you could it's you could absolutely smell it. Right outside, and it's very. That's the uh, that's the KFC where the old man was trying to get his wedges. <laughs> yep. How about Burger King's burger flavored toothpaste? You got to be kidding me, right? Would you use burger flavored toothpaste? And again, 
I like Burger King, and I like the taste of their burgers. I don't want to brush my teeth with a burger. How about Pizza Hut's Box DJ Dex? Um, free working cardboard DJ deck for the price of a Pizza Hut pizza. All you have to do is plug in the deck's battery, then connect your phone via Bluetooth. And you can use any DJ apps you've already downloaded. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's Barbara on WGN. Go ahead, Barbara. Yeah, hi, Nick. I just don't like when you're not on Friday and Saturdays. I miss that. Um, I love yeah, I'm, 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 on, I'm on on Friday. It's a Friday right now. Oh, you are? Oh. It's Friday okay. right now. Well, I, it's Friday well, night. You know what I mean. It's going on yeah. for Friday. Well, yeah. I, look, Barbara, I work five days a week. I need a weekend. Oh, well, I agree, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> we should but just pre-record anyway, shows. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, I like uh, Chick-fil-A's mac and cheese. It is the best you can ever want. Uh-huh. It is just loaded with cheese. It's very, very good. Okay. All right, Barbara, it's- thank you. You're welcome. Okay, I will not give Chick-fil-A a dime. They will not get a dime out of me. I've had Chick-fil-A exactly once. I had the chicken sandwich because everybody was screaming about how great it was. And you know what, Tom? It's a chicken sandwich. It's a, it's a chicken sandwich. I'll say this. Uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich. It's worth the hype. Oh, no. Popeye's chicken sandwich is great. Popeye's chicken sandwich is yeah. unreal, dude. And, unreal. And, but I won't give my money to uh, Chick-fil-A. Last time I was in a Chick-fil-A was because my brother got busted for him and his friends smashing a, a big, like, shake on the ground and then taking off their shirts and sliding in it. Come on, man. They got they got busted at Chick-fil-A for just messing the place up. <laughs> Burger King's flame-grilled perfume is a real thing. What? I don't understand this. KFC's fried chicken-scented candle. They also have a White Castle candle, too, so that your, your your house can smell like White Castle. You know, like that night you were drunk and, uh, you know, left the White Castle bag in the back of the car. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't want a scented candle that smells like fried chicken, and I don't want a scented candle that smells like White Castle. Uh, Pizza Hut's Workman Jacket. Uh, most fast foods have dropped merch, but Pizza Hut's workman jacket could be the most f- uh, fire piece of them all. The Roadman-esque banger is made from the same thermal fabric that's used in the chain's delivery system. The fire truck red jacket also includes polyester fiber padding to keep the heat in, a splash guard, and a handy window on the sleeve to store your phone. Pizza Hut's workman jacket. KFC's drumstick-shaped bath bomb. <laughs> um, Burger King sex toys. To celebrate Valentine's Day, Burger King or Israel went all out by releasing a quote-unquote adult meal complete with sex toys. Housed in a similar box to the traditional kids' meal, the kit included two Whoppers, two beers, one toy, a feather tickler, a silky eye mask, or a wire head massager. <laughs> two beers um KFC's chicken box phone charger so everybody's got these tr- phone chargers now available at these fast food joints 
Portable phone chargers are one of modern life's best inventions, but a chicken box with a built-in phone charger? It's even better. Called the Wada Box, KFC's India limited edition creation is a 5-in-1 Boasting a USB and a charging dock, as well as an ample amount of fried chicken. The idea is so good, we're calling for it to be reissued. And finally, McDonald's Big Mac merch. Unsurprisingly, McDonald's couldn't resist putting images of their signature Big Mac on a wide range of merch line. These days, you can uh, cover your house with burger wallpaper while wearing an all-over print onesie snuggled up in a branded sleeping bag. Uh, And if you decide to venture outside, you can throw on your Big Mac wellies and raincoat and make sure your dog is protected from the elements with a Big Mac jacket. Um, (laughs) They've released a Big Mac version of uh, everything. So there's Big Mac versions of everything. Yes. So weird fast food merch right there. You remember when there uh the uh when the uh the the mascot of Berg of uh, McDonald's was that guy with the with the moon face? Did he have a name? Did Moonface have a name? I just remember he looked weird. He played like the piano and he sang and his head was shaped like a quarter moon. And I'm not sure what the tie-in was to McDonald's and why they're mascot was a moon face but i always thought that that was pretty weird and they had they had merch attached to this to the to to mr moon face but mcdonald's has a ton of merch as we just discovered has a ton of merch that uh that they that they that they celebrate and sale and, and sell and all that uh, crazy stuff so so if you want some weird fast food merch there you go it's all available it's all out there it's all nutty all right, 312-981-7200 is the phone number um, right here on 720 WGN. We'll have our regular Friday features coming up. We'll start off with you, Big Dummy. Then we'll go to uh, Straight Out of Context, Nick D Show Spies. And then we'll get funky with Fly Jams Friday. And that's all coming up. 312-981-7200 is our phone number. And uh, the requests are still coming in for some Fly Jams. And we'll do that in a little bit. But here's the news. <laughs> You big dummy. You big dummy. See what you did? Oh, no. You big dummy. You dummy. Yeah. All right. Hello. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. It's after 3 o'clock on a Friday morning, which means it's time for the Friday features. And we start with You Big Dummy. This is where we read real news stories about real dumb people doing real dumb stuff, and then we vote on who's the biggest dummy. Tom votes, I vote, and then the first person through... At 312-981-7200 is our third vote. Let's go. Dummy number one, dummy number one, dummy number one. 
Ah, Florida. Shocking. A Florida woman was arrested Wednesday after she called 911 four times asking for a ride to another city. Sarah Elma, Alama, 31, called the emergency response line at 2.45 p.m. and said hello before hanging up, police said. Officers went to the location of the call and couldn't find anyone. She made a second call at 3 a.m. and the call was disconnected. When officers arrived, they found her in a hospital parking lot. She told them she had called for and needed a ride. The officer warned her that 911 is for emergency calls only and told her to leave the property unless she needed medical help. Uh, Alama walked away and called 911 again to complain about the officer. According to police, the officer didn't give her the service she needed, a taxpayer-sponsored taxi ride. (laughs) Officers told Amala not to call 911 again unless she had an emergency, but she called a fourth time. She was then taken to the Polk County Jail and charged with one count of misuse of 911. And I can't wait to see you starring in your first movie. Yeah. Deep Dummy. I'm not Kenyan. You're a big dummy. Dummy number two. Dummy number two. Dummy two. A Toronto woman says she was left shocked and disgusted after she saw a cleaner at a grocery store spitting on a towel and then wiping down grocery baskets with it. Oh. The incident was recorded on July 5th at a Freshco location in Bathurst in Nassau. Uh, in the video exclusively obtained by City News, a cleaner is seen using a small white towel to wipe down baskets. At one point, he appears to spit into the towel and continues to wipe down the baskets. Oh, God, that's disgusting. I couldn't believe that. I was in shock. I feel sick, says Marta Casimiro, the customer who recorded the video. She adds that the cleaner continued to wipe down grocery carts with the same towel as well. Oh, Marta tells City News that she began recording because she noticed the baskets were very dirty when she entered the store. She intended to show the manager that the cleaner was not doing a good job of wiping them down when she coincidentally caught him uh, doing the unacceptable act on video. A manager was unavailable on the day the incident occurred, so Marta says she called back the following morning was subjected to very bad customer service from the franchise manager. You know what? You know what? Stop shopping there. You know what I'm saying? They say the cleaner is not an employee of of Freshco, but rather works for a third-party service provider and confirmed he is no longer working at the store. Jacqueline Weatherby, Vice President of Communications and Corporate Affairs says the behavior seen in the video is absolutely reprehensible. You bigger dummy than my dummy. Number three, dummy number three, dummy number three. 
A pregnant Colorado woman has posed for a shocking maternity photo shoot with her large pregnant belly covered in thousands of bees. Despite her own claims that she's allergic. Are you kidding me? Bethany Kurlock Baker shared the photos in the Beekeeping Basics group. Oh, my God. On Facebook, showing herself standing outside with a bare belly, swarming with bees, and admitting that she was, quote, terrified as I am allergic. But it was worth it. The post was had quickly gone viral. With commentators expressing confusion, shock, and horror over the bizarre decision to put herself and her baby at risk for the sake of an interesting photo. Bethany seems to have found experience with beekeeping and lists herself as the founder and managing director of Bee the Future, a nonprofit. It's B E E. Nonetheless, the photo shoot has proven alarming for other social media users. Bethany, who was born in Texas and lives in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, is already a mother of two children and is currently 37 weeks pregnant with her third. I wasn't stung once, she insisted. The queen is tethered to my belly inside a cage. We just dumped the bees on me and they naturally began to herd. Don't worry, this was approved by my doctor, she claimed, claiming that the picture shows about 10,000 bees. Get lost, dummy. Before this game, you were just a plain dummy, but after the night, you'd be a broke dummy. All right, let's let's break. That last story is just insane to me. When I was a kid, I was allergic to bees. I'm not anymore. I grew out of it. But if I got stung, I, it, it could have been Macaulay Culkin like. Macaulay Culkin. Have you seen my girl? Oh God, not for years. Okay, well you know you know how he dies in that movie. He gets stung by a bee. He gets stung by bees. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, this this is what I thought of. What is it? <laughs> oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! <laughs> it's been too long since I watched that crap. The it's it is both terrible and genius. Yeah, it, it's just the thing about it. There, there are many, many things about that about that movie, and that was, by the way, from the remake of um, the Wicker Man. Wicker Man, uh, which is legendary for for how stupid and crazy it is and how insane Nicolas Cage performance is. The thing about that movie, Neil DeBute made it, which is stunning to me. Stunning. Because... Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! <laughs> All right, on that note, uh, let's take a break. We come back. we got a couple more dummies to go through, and then we'll vote on who's the biggest dummy on this Friday morning on 720 WGN. Oh, what? We're back. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. The Friday features have begun. A couple more dummies here. Let's get back to you, big dummy. Dummy number four, dummy number four, dummy number four. Two drivers in separate stolen vehicles were arrested following a crash in Newburgh over the weekend. 
On Sunday morning, officers responded to a report of a suspect that had just stolen a person's Toyota Land Cruiser. The stolen vehicle was located minutes later as it went through town, according to police. The suspect attempted to elude police through downtown Newburgh and then crashed into an occupied Buick Regal near East Franklin and College Street. The driver in the Toyota, identified as Randy Lee Cooper, 27, of Portland, was arrested for unauthorized use of a motor vehicle attempting to elude police, third-degree assault, reckless driving, and related crimes. Uh, And then, according to police, officers learned that the Buick was reported stolen as well. To the dummy with the black mustache. What kind of life do you think it is being the father of a young dummy? Dummy number five. Dummy number five. Five. German man's bachelor party in the Austrian Alps ended with a snake bite on the tongue and a trip to the hospital. The Austria press agency reported Monday that the local Red Cross said the 38-year-old who dared to touch with he t- dared to touch with his tongue a baby viper on the floor of an alpine hut uh, in southeastern Austria. Austria. The snake bit him and his tongue swelled up. Mountain rescuers and a doctor were called to the scene on Saturday evening, and he was taken to the hospital. The Red Cross said the partygoers may have been confused, but the young they confused the young snake with a worm. And for every dummy, there's a dummy. One dummy ain't enough in this house. You got to bring home super dummy. It is time uh, to do some voting. Let's do a recap, all right? You ready there, Tom? Yeah. All right. <laughs> you sound thrilled. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking about it. I'm oh, thinking you're thinking. About it. Okay. Thinking. That's, that was my thinking, yeah. I'm you're sorry. Think- okay. I didn't mean to dismiss you. It's like, yeah, this segment sucks. Oh, God. Oh, why do I, ah, produ- why do I, produce-, God. Why do I produce this show? <laughs> I, could, I could have been manager at Cheesies. <laughs> could have been running that place. <laughs> <laughs> Serving drunks grilled cheese at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, baby. That's what I could have been doing at 2 o'clock in the morning instead uh, of this. Uh, Whatever this is. <laughs> All right. We've got the Florida woman who kept calling 911 because she needed a ride. We've got the uh, uh, the cleaner at the Toronto Fresh Co. who was spit-shining shopping baskets. <laughs> that, I mean, I just find that repulsive. Um. We got the pregnant woman who posed with thousands of bees on her stomach. Uh, we got the man in a stolen vehicle who fleed the officers and crashed into a woman in another stolen vehicle. They both were arrested. And we got the idiot at the bachelor party in Austria who had a snake-bitten tongue. Those are our choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, first person at the 312-981-721-200 will be our third vote. Tom. All right. Um... After much deliberation, yeah, um, I'm going to say my runner-up is. Oh no! Not the bees! <laughs> not the bees! Ah! 
So she gets a runner up because yeah. that's just bonkers. Yeah. I get that even if you're a beekeeper, you know, like you're it pregnant and you're allergic. No. It's idiotic. It's idiotic. Yeah. Uh, the guy's in a in a hut in Austria. Thought it was a worm? Yeah. It's a snake? It's a snake. Like, what was that? Yagurin, go ahead. Yeah. Let it bite you on the tongue. I, you know, I thought maybe it was, you know, when I first read the, like, the little, the, the teaser, I thought maybe the stripper brought a snake. No. To the bachelor party. <laughs> that would have been too normal. You know, like Salma Hayek in, uh, in the- Dust till dawn. Dust dawn. Yeah, clearly. So I thought it was going to be like that. <laughs> But no, it was a little snake on the floor of a cabin, and the idiot yeah. p- put his tongue on it. Way to go, Hans. So you're going with that one. Yeah. Oh, right. my God. All right. Uh, phone lines are open. We need a deciding vote, 312-981-7200, because uh, we have to pick between two, because I'm picking the woman who called 911. Oh, yeah. Four times. I mean, <laughs> I mean the, the, the cleaner spit-shining spit is disgusting. Oh. Uh, the pregnant woman, is she's just a complete idiot. Um, I like the fact, I find it really funny that two stolen cars were in that accident, but I got to go with the woman, um, who called 911 four times cause she needed for a ride for a ride. My goodness. Okay. So these are the two The phone line is open. You got to choose between the woman who kept calling 911 cause she needed a ride, which is my choice. And the idiot at the bachelor party who uh, has a snake bitten tongue. Those are your two choices. Call right now. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. you got to be the deciding vote. Phone lines are wide open, so call us. Again, the choices are the Florida woman who kept calling 911 because she needed a ride or the idiot in Austria at the bachelor party that ended up with a snake-bitten tongue. All right, so we got our, we got our vote. All right, Terry, those are the two choices. What are you voting for? I got to go with Tom on this one. The uh, snake guy is beyond is beyond stupid. Uh, the the woman who calls four times certainly uh, in the team photo, but anybody who puts their tongue on a snake, pretty dumb. Okay, all right. Thanks, Terry. Thank you, guys. All right, I like that. She's definitely in the team photo. Definitely in the team photo. <laughs> you know, uh, anytime we you know when we do this every week, there is at least at least one every week. At least one. The, the, where the headline, the first word in the headline is Florida. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God bless them. Oh. God bless that state. Hey, they supply us with a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of material. The state of they, Florida. They make my job easy. <laughs> yeah. My God. They All right, so job. Snake Tongue. That was my, it was, <laughs> I was a band, I was in that band. <laughs> yeah, man, Snake Tongue. <laughs> Opening for Saga. Tonight at the Roxy. That's right. Okay, uh, we can get a, a, a few of these things in. Let's do this. Where am I at now? How, how the hell? Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Wait, hold it here. So when I'm in your neighborhood, you better duck, because Ice Cube is crazy as F-bomb. Oh, as I leave, believe I'm stopping, but when I come back forth, I'm coming straight. Out of context, context, context. 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 What's up? Tell them where you're from. Straight out, out of context context context, 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 context. All right, our next Friday feature has begun. It is Straight Out of Context. This is when you listen to this radio station 24-7. And whenever anybody says anything that sounds a little dirty out of context, you jot down the day, the time who said it, and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. Okay, Tom, let us begin. Let us begin, indeed. Uh, fresh off the presses, this one's from Waukegan J. It's Nick D. Dick, it's, yeah. always, it's always a pleasure. 
<laughs> Is that when I was talking to Dick DiBartolo? Yes, yeah, sir. Okay. Good old Dick DiBartolo. He's the best. Funny guy. Didn't he show up on Out of Context last week? Yes, he did. Yeah. He did. It was his first time, I think. Yeah. And no more appropriate a character than Dick DeBartolo. Oh, he's, he's, he's just one of my heroes, man. I, I got to tell him. you. He's the best. Okay. All right. Mary Vandevelt. Oh, I miss Mary. Did I ever tell you that I miss her? Uh, several times. <laughs> okay. I miss her. I miss Mary. We used to see each other as we crossed paths in the morning. Well, she would give us the Dancing with the Stars report. That's right. That's right. She'd come in around 4.30, and then that was when we were around until 5, so I got to see her for about a half an hour, Absolutely. and we chatted. So oh, anyway, I miss her. Okay. Uh, f- this one's from Ken in Hillside. It's just too hard. It's hard. If I had a partner at home like you did, you know, hey, maybe you can practice with me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Talking about, of all things, ballroom dancing. Ball- oh, really? She's a- She does ballroom dancing. Of course she does. I, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Big time. Big time. Have you ever seen right? No, yeah. I, have you not seen video of Mary Vandeville ba- dancing? You, I honestly never crossed my mind. Fantastic. Well, I, I feel like an idiot now. I'm the dummy of the week <laughs> for having seen Mary yeah, Vandeville no, cut up a rug. I, 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 I've seen video of it. Uh, she, you know, she, po- she posted it on the, on the intranets or something. But I've seen, there she's great. I believe it. Yeah. I absolutely she's believe great. it. Great. All right. All right. Uh, a little Bob Surratt here. Yeah. This is coming to us from listener Tom. According to my wife, I don't grind at night, but then, you know what I realized? I realized that I was doing it during the day. <laughs> Marianne said what? Uh, <laughs> she said what? Grinding. Uh, it was uh, teeth? Talking about teeth grinding. Yeah. Teeth grinding. I think I did that when I was a kid. I'd have to ask oh, my I parents. Def- I had a mouth guard and everything. Oh, did you really? Yeah. It looked like I was constantly ready to hop in the ring. <laughs> Take down the heavyweight champion okay, of the world. Clubber Lang. Hey. All right. Hey, sucker. <laughs> Let's get one, qu- one quick one here. Uh, uh, one more before we break. Little Pete McMurray. This one's coming to us from Dirty Dave. They loved his meat so much. <laughs> what was he talking about? Talking about a friend of his who was on uh, Shark Tank. Trying to sell a do a business of mail order meat, but he go apparently he didn't he, go well. No, he went on with no business plan. He had no business plan and to present at Shark Tank. I I know, but I think what the hell are you doing on Shark Tank if you don't have a business plan? I think Cuban ended up buying into it. He did later well. on later on because the meat was so good. Oh, I see. So the product was really good, even though really he didn't good. have a business plan. Well, I, Mark Cuban buy into anything exactly. He bought the Dallas Mavericks. I, <laughs> Come on. What kind of business decision is that? Get a hold of yourself. All right. Let's take a quick break. Um, And uh, when we come back, we've got more Straight Out of Context, uh, Nick D Show Spies, and then Fly Jams Friday right here on WGN. Out of context, context, context. What's up? Tell them where you're from. Straight out, out of context, 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 context. All right. It is uh, back to the Friday features, straight out of context. And uh, Tom, shall we uh, continue with the nuttiness? We shall. All right. Uh, right here is a, a Dean triple play. Oh, please. A triple play for Dean. All of them from uh, Johnsburg AJ. He uh, he was on a roll okay. this past week. So uh, let's take a listen in here. This one's Dean. 
I have never been so wet in my entire life. <laughs> Talk about the fireworks. Uh, the, do you re, do you ever remember when he hosted those fireworks? Oh yeah, and he got he got absolutely drenched. Yeah, it was uh, poor Dean. Luckily, the fireworks were over before. Yeah, that actually happened. But very good. All right, uh, more Dean. Today, I'm doing a segment called Between the Buns. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Is it like a burger segment or something? Uh, yeah, sa- burgers, sandwiches, oh, I things see. you could put on buns. And, and, of course, he says between the buns. Naturally. Of course he does. Do you, like, have a big water? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Is he talking about tobacco? No, he's talking about tobacco. Wad of tobacco. Uh, no, he's talking about when you make uh, burgers with, like, cheese in them. Oh, sure. Put, sometimes they wad yeah. up. Yeah. Not fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get a little bit more Pete McMurray here. This one's from Gene. So if you have a question about how long you should keep your meat out. <laughs> <laughs> so what was what was it, was it was fourth, the, July, fourth, fourth of july, july of course that was really uh throwing yeah no okay i got it now i can't sense. believe i'm just like huh why is all this meat talk yes. it was the fourth of july of course speaking of meat talk here's matt bubala cut by brian w wiener wolfing we what wiener wolfing wiener wolfing wiener wolfing what wiener is- wolfing what is that? What's he talking about? Talking about the uh, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Oh, wiener wolfing. Of course. <laughs> All right. All right. Joey Chestnut broke another record, man. He did. But, and Mickey as well. And Mickey. Mickey Sudo. Yeah, Mickey Sudo broke another one, well too. Done. Nice job. Okay. All right. Little Dave Schwan here. Always, oh, uh, Schwan. always a pleasure. Uh, this one's from Brian J. I got busy here in the newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Doesn't he know there's cameras in yeah, the newsroom? That's exactly why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to security and say, can I get some tape of that? But they were actually talking about Svengooli. They were? Yeah, they were talking about Svengooli. I guess Andy Mazur, I guess, uh, sat in for Dean. Okay. And uh, for they were talking about Svengooli and Plan 9 from Outer Space. and you know what, You know what he's showing this week? Uh, is he doing? Is he doing a Dracula? The Brides of Dracula. Brides of Dracula. Yeah, with my man, Peter Cushing, my main man. That's the one that freaks me out the most because he gets bit mm. in Bride of Frankenstein, and he's got to take that Brides hot poker. Brides of Dracula. Uh-huh. He's got to take that hot poker and stick it on his neck to cauterize the wound. Woo! Just in case y'all ever get bit. I don't like to see Peter Cushing hurt. <laughs> It bothers me. Well, he gets blown to smithereens in the Star War. <laughs> he does. <laughs> you know what's amazing to me is that um, everybody thinks Darth Vader's the real villain in that movie. It's Cushing. Yeah. It's Cushing. God, what's his... Grandmark, Grand, Grand Moff Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin. Grand yeah. Moff Tarkin. Yeah. It's the only name of any character in that series that I know is because Peter Cushing's in it. Yeah. I also love the fact, and I will give, I will give Lucas this. I love the fact that you know Peter Cushing is in in, in Star Wars, mm-hmm. and then when he did the when he did the uh, the prequels, he put Christopher Lee in them. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Was a fun nod. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Has Rick Kogan ever been on before? Yes. Okay, I wanted to make sure. Yes, uh, I this, love Rick. Yeah, little Rick Kogan here, caught by Will. Did you visit Beaver Island in your research? <laughs> <laughs> Beaver Island. <laughs>
He's just talking to an author about, you know. Where's Beaver Island? I think you know where it is. Yeah, all right. Beaver Island. Oh, God, that's funny. (laughs) Okay. Uh, A little bit more Bob Surratt here. Yeah. Uh, This one's coming to us from Brian J. I have it in my hand, and that puts me to sleep. <laughs> this segment, man, every every week Unreal. I feel like I'm nine years old. Unreal. What, what was he talking about? Uh, talking about falling asleep with the TV on, so his remote. Oh, remote his remote's in his hand. hand okay. And then he falls asleep. Okay. I'm just I'm the same way, Bob. I fall asleep with the TV on. All right. Uh, the next two. This is actually a, Sur- a Surratt triple play here. Jeez. A little hat trick for Surratt. Um, Boy, he's all over the place. I know. All right. Uh, this one's from Mark D. Uh, Bob Surratt. Oh boy. Well, we'll get it on in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what was he talking about there? Uh, just getting getting a microphone getting, on. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, Bob Surratt uh, again. Yeah, this one coming. Man, to he us from, dominated this week. Surratt yeah. dominated big, this week. Big week for Surratt. Wow. Bob, if you're awake, good job. Well, he's got to be awake. He's going to be know. on the air. Bob, if you're listening, minutes. yeah. <laughs> That's a, there's a big difference. Yeah. No, no, there is a big difference. <laughs> uh, all right, Bob Surratt. This one's from Kevin. Despite what your mother told you, keep your mouth open. <laughs> Get advice from your oh. mom. Oh, what was he boy. talking about? I think I think uh, that was also about the grinding of the teeth. Oh, I see. From the grinding of okay. the teeth. Okay. All right. I so thought maybe yeah, I thought maybe he was talking about eating. Despite what your mom says. <laughs> All right, that's straight out of context. All right, straight out of context. We'll do it again next week. Just keep listening, and here's this thing. Spies. Spies, 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 like us. Yeah. All right. It's uh, Nick D. Show Spies. Hey, uh, Tom, have you seen, you've seen the movie Spies Like Us, right? Yeah. It's a funny movie. It's a funny movie. Yeah. It's not as good as Fletch. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Fletch is, Fletch is, is Chevy Chase's uh, masterpiece. Moon River. He's so good in that movie. I love the second one sucked, but I thought the fr- I thought the first one was hilarious. Can I borrow your towel? My car got hit by a water <laughs> buffalo. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> directed by the late great, if I'm not mistaken, Michael Ritchie directed that movie. Okay, uh, so yeah, uh, this is Nick D Show Spies. This is when you listen to this radio station 24 seven, and you should because it's a great station. Whenever anybody mentions me in any capacity or the show, we want to know about it. You jot down the day, the time, we set it, and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Just one spy this week. Uh, this one's coming to us from Mary. Thank you, Mary. Uh, this is from the Mark Carmen filling in. He was filling in here on the station. And uh, you get a little mention here. Let's listen. How much is a bison weigh? Can I get a – let me get a reading on that one. Pete, you can help me. Thank do you so I, much. Do I can- no, it's just 200 pounds. Yeah, right. So and, they can I, run, I, and they run fast. And they run fast. Right, This right. guy, has just, uh, uh, the ranger said he just made it into the museum. Or, or the bison would have caught him. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you don't, not, you know, they're, uh, 
They're wild animals. Hello. Right, right. So, okay, so you're voting for she's the dumber one, or or do you go with the guy who's jumping in with the fish? She's the dumber one. Okay. She's a, they're, they're both dumb, but she's... Okay. Uh, Nick, Nick Giulio would love this. She's the dumber one. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Anne. I appreciate it. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah. Doing a similar segment to what, to what we do every wait, week. And I believe using two stories that we used on Dummy at least. Yeah. Or at least we didn't we didn't use the guy who jumped into the Bass Pro Shop thing. We just talked about we him. Did, we did. Talk we talked about, about him. him. Idiot. <laughs> Good Lord. Go swimming. And didn't he did he, he did he take his clothes off? Um I think he took his shirt off. He took his shirt off. But he was still in like he was in like basketball shorts or something like that. So he just whew, straight in. Yeah. But we yeah, we did talk about that idiot. Yeah, and then the bison, uh the lady who got gored yeah, by a bison. Got gored by a bison. You don't have to mess with bison. No. You don't mess with bison. This isn't bison messing time. <laughs> is, is there ever a bison messing time? I don't think so. That's what, that's what they were doing back in the day. You ever eat bison? Um, I think so. It's good. I want to say I've had like a bison burger. Yeah, it's good. Nice and lean. Lean, I tell you. Okay. Uh, let's do this. We, uh, I got some weather for you. We'll take a break here for the weather and then we come back and it's going to get funky. DJ Luscious Hushus is going to show up and, uh, we'll play all the requests. And if you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. When I grew up on the farm, fly was something we sprayed to kill and jam (laughs) was something we put on our breakfast toast. Jam. Fly jam. Fly jams Friday. Yeah, this is Fly Jam Friday on your overnight radio with my man, Nick D, on 720 WGN. Yeah, there it is, Fly Jams Friday. We like to kick off your weekend uh, with a funky note, and uh, we got some Fly Jams, and that's uh, it's, his luscious hush has arrived. Oh, yeah, Luscious Hushes, baby. There he is. Yep. All right. Got a lot of requests there, Luscious Hushes? ton of requests. Okay, here we go. Let's get fly and funky. Let's get fly and funky. Mike from Louisville wants a little KC and the Sunshine Band. That's the way I like it. You know, in case the Sunshine Band first hit the scene, when people finally saw them and, and they were white and he was white, people were like, what? <laughs> and very white. Like, KC is as white a human as you can get. You know, KC does a lot now. Not, not right now at this moment. He does a ton of cruises. 
Oh yeah, I mean he, that's the perfect. That's music. his thing. That's his thing now. I mean, I, not I, now because they're not happening. But no. <laughs> but uh, he does a ton of cruises, mostly like the seventies themed cruises. He's always like the spokesman and the headliner. So, I love it. I yeah, it's a great it. song. Uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band is great. They're always fun. They have a lot of great songs, and they were massive in the seventies. Massive. All right, what, what what's going on next? What's going on next is the Flaming Ember Westbound Number Nine. This is from Mark L in Aurora. Great song. Incredible song. Yeah. Great song. I think we've only played it one other time in the history of Fly Jams Friday. Oh, man. I'll tell you, I'd never actually heard that song before. Oh, really? That's fresh for me. Oh, it's a That's a Fly Jams first for me. It's a great song. I love it. Yeah. All right, man. Let's fly. Let's keep flying on. Uh, Coming up next, this is coming to us from Mike. It's the Isley Brothers Fight the Power, part one. Another great song. Another great song. Lots of great songs popping up this week on the Fly Jams. Very good stuff. All right. All right, let's uh, transition to a little Gloria Gaynor. Everybody loves Gloria Gaynor. This is Casanova Brown, coming to us from 1975. In fact, this is the Disco Perfection version. I'm sure you remember those. (laughs) Everybody loves the Disco Perfection version. Longer, stronger, and more fun. Spectacular. So, so 70s. You can hear the shag carpet. Oh, man. Fantastic. I got to say, if I were to pick my house to be styled anyway, it'd be 70s. 70s? Yeah. With a lot of wood paneling. We had like a <laughs> burnt orange couch. <laughs> 
in the seventies. I want see, I want that. That's what I want for myself. Yeah, we we you know, there are pictures of uh, oh, I believe it. of what our curtains were like and the <laughs> and all that stuff in the seventies. Um, a burnt orange. Couch. It was a burnt orange couch. Yes, and we'd play pong while sitting on it. <laughs> That should be. I feel like your living room should have been in the uh, the Smithsonian. Oh, and be a nice little diorama. Yeah, the American seventies household. I mean, it's just nuts. It was nuts. We had a really big apartment. I grew up in a really big apartment, so there was like a front room. Ooh, and then the dining room. The front room. Yeah, F R U N C H. That was the fancy. That was the fancy room. That's where you put the gate up, and you had the furniture in there that nobody could sit on. Yeah, I always thought that was funny. It's you have, re- your, it's, you have it's, your front room, and no one can sit on the furniture. Oh yeah. No, it's absolutely it's true. It's just there to it's, look yep, at. Exactly. Unless you have like fancy company. Well, yeah. If you have fancy company, then you get to sit. You on, get to go and sit at the front room. Well, and the front room furniture is never actually comfortable. It's very rigid. Yeah, because nobody ever sits. No one on ever it. sits. You can't break it in. Yeah, you can't break in that front room furniture. Oh yeah. I remember the gate. We had a little wooden gate that would uh, stretch from both sides. So that you couldn't get into the front room. <laughs> that, Speaking, hey. that eventually changed, though. Like, sure. or, you know, I mean, eventually, like in the, by the, by the late seventies, you could go into the front room. But it was like the early mid seventies, like nineteen seventy seven, seventy eight. You couldn't. Yeah. Don't even think about it. <laughs> Speaking of your front room, yeah. Here's a little cut from a man who uh, furnished that front room. Oh, it's uh, Nick DiGilio's dad wants to hear Jerry Butler. Hey. Western Union man. This is what I want you to say. Want you to tell an animal alone. I tried to call her on the phone. Tell her I'm in misery and think she's affording me. And if the telegram don't do, send a box of candy to and maybe some flowers. It's a great song. My dad's got good taste in music, I gotta say. Of course, he hasn't listened to anything new in 30 years, but, uh, you know, my dad doesn't like things that are new. He doesn't watch any TV, anything that's new. He won't watch it. Leave it to Beaver, he'll watch it all day. Gilligan's Island, any of that old stuff. <laughs> so, all right. All right, let's cap it off here. All one right. quick one from yep. Gary, very appropriate. Sly and the Family Stone, hot fun in the summertime. Oh, boy. Oh, summer. Classic. All right. Hey, by the way, uh, we're uh, off until Sunday night into Monday morning. Our good friend Rod Pyle will be here to talk all things space. He's a space expert and a very cool guy. So that's coming up. Um, And the WGN Early Morning News is up after this.